The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Welcome to the SWN Podcast. I am your host as always, Billy. Uh, I am joined this week by the best you've ever seen, the last King of Scotland and many other nicknames. Uh, it's Robbie Wisher. Welcome Hello. To the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to doing this all week. Oh, I'm well, so excited. Great. <laughs> so I, I like when I guess excited to be on. Uh, I think everyone has been so far, but I'm just waiting for the day that I'm going to hit record and they'll be like, I, just, I don't want to be here. So... I haven't done a podcast since the Wrestle Shark show. Like, that's how long ago was the last time I did it. And that, I think that was back when Simon Cassie and DCT were still hosting it. It was like the last time I did a podcast. Uh, well, I mean, the last one I remember was uh, you did the joint, the big roundtable one with uh, Stephen Louch. Oh, God. So I did. Uh, uh, yeah, that one where all of Louch of Scotland went to the pub for it and. <laughs> There was a lot of space and time between him saying that he's recorded it and it would be released. So I assume there was a lot taken out of it. There was a lot. Most of it was Lucha Diaz. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I chat with him. I think I think I diffused the the chat with him very quickly because I, I. I mean, if it was Robbie Solar being interviewed, um, I do like to, do, to to enter the chat with a mask on, um, just just to make me feel comfortable. But uh, yeah, I think I think from that point, Lucha DS realised that this isn't going to be a very serious chat at all. He'll we'll just we'll just keep it keep it clean, uh, protect my bookings. <laughs> so I'm entering with that with a psychosis mask or some description. Uh, um, right, okay. First question is always the same. Thought. Let's just get into it, and then we can spin off and shenanigans and what have you uh, how did you get into pro wrestling what got you hooked uh, so the first wrestling match I remember watching I'd be about four or five um, and my brothers uh, were really into it uh, they were into WWE or WWF as it was the thing but the first match I remember watching was a uh, WCW it was a random uh, Nitro that happened to be on I think it was Bravo at the time just flicking through the channels and it was Rey Mysterio and Ultimo Dragon, just a random match on a Nitro. And when you're like four and five and you're obsessed with Power Rangers, you're like, what? What's that? What's that? I want to watch that. I want to watch that. And then I watched that. They turned it off. And then I never watched WCW after it until at the, I got the network several years later. <laughs> so so have, you, have you sought out that Nitro or is it just lost in the... Lost in... The, I, like... I remember, I remember, like dragons wearing like gold or black in it, and like Ray's wearing one of his eight million amazing outfits. But that's mostly I remember it just being a random nitro because I, because I think it was it was like during the time when Bischoff was like telling people what happened on Raw. So it was like, I think like Dragon and Ono were making their way to the ring or something like. Uh, uh, and I just remember him going, yeah, this happened, this happened. Uh, he won by disqualification. And I'm like, what? What's, what's going on? Why is the Red Ranger about to fight the Black Ranger? 
that was the thing with the, the whole Bischoff uh, spoiling the results thing. It's like it's like now with AEW and, and NXT or whatever the the apparent war is. Um, it, it only makes one side look petty. So, yeah. so it might be doing good, but if a casual watching it going, oh, I don't like your attitude. I'm not going to, ironically, I don't like your attitude, so I'm not going to watch it. So that's, kind of, that's what turned me off of AEW. I tried to get back into it, and then they do a Ali Kari uh, thing, like dig. I'm just like, nah, you're being childish. I'm just going to switch off now. I'm going to yeah. just go watch something else. So that was that, that kind of. Fits in to how your wrestling career kind of got started. Then Rey Mysterio, Ultimo Dragon. Um, so I say, never watched WWE again. How did you get reintroduced to, to wrestling? Then was it just WWF? It was just WWF. So my oldest, my oldest brother Thomas. So I'm the youngest of three. There's me, my brother David, and then the oldest Thomas. He was the one that was really into it. Um, he was like obsessed with WWF and the attitude here. His favorite wrestler was The Rock. So we would watch it every Friday and Saturday night. Uh, once they, obviously, because that's when it used to be on. We'd watch it every night. I'd stay up like stupidly late to watch it. Um, and I just remember being like mesmerized. I remember being terrified of the brood when I was a kid. Like Gangrel spitting the blood. Like when you're like four and five, you genuinely believe he's a vampire. And you're like, what? what? And he, like, I remember like hiding behind my brother every time he would come on because I was just so terrified of him. But, um, like, so I kept watching wrestling through, like, much of my childhood, and I then kind of re-became a super fan. Like, after the brand split, when, like, Ray first came back, because I almost kind of immediately recognised him, I went, I've seen him before. And then, obviously, like, just from the way he wrestled, he kind of got me hooked back into wrestling and I've just been a massive fan of all since because he is the greatest wrestler of all time, in my opinion. So, so that'd be 2002 then. So how did you go from that to actually pursuing being a wrestler? So um, I was in college. Uh, I was doing my catering uh, degree uh, and... I was just bold one day, um, and I just I was I was I was googling like the latest wrestling uh, results, and in utter randomness, uh, an advert came up for like a show in Paisley. It was SWA, and at the time SWA still had a working deal with Source, like uh, Killing Dane, Damian O'Connor. He was the owner of both, and it just so happened uh, I, I went. The link led me to the website which then happened to have, like, advertisement upon advertisement for the wrestling school. After humming and hawing about a week of it, I, I managed to ask my mum. Uh, I'm 16 at the time, by the way, I'd probably point that out. <laughs> uh, I'm 16 at the time. Uh, asked my mum. My brother, uh, Thomas, took me to the Source Wrestling School, which happened to be behind Ibrox at the time. And we initially got lost. Because uh, we weren't quite sure which unit it was, but we literally just uh, happened to drive past a bunch of people clearly in like training gear, led by uh, Glendon Barr, and we just pulled up asked and went, "Excuse me, we're looking for the wrestling school." And uh, Dunbar went, "I'm the coach today. Follow me." <laughs> and he just led, <laughs> and he just led us to the school. Uh, I watched, I sat in on a training session, and then started my training the next week. And that would have been 2000. 
late 2010. Late 2010, that was. Um, so did you have a bit of a sport? I mean, because you're very athletic in the ring, you do all these jumps and what have you. Did you have a bit of a sports <laughs> background, football, gymnastics, something like that? Um, so I'm kind of bragging a little bit about this. Uh, I was the national Taekwondo champion for ages 12 to 16. And I was scouted for the gymnastics Olympic team before I was legally allowed to compete. That's not a bad uh, foundation then to build upon. <laughs> yes, uh, like I always, I always tell people that, and it was kind of look like they kind of go well bragging much. And I'm like, um. but yeah, so that was kind of like the foundation I had. So I came from a very, I was kind of like a standout in the other two uh, athletic things because. Uh, like I was scouted so young, and I was like the ace of my uh, my uh, taekwondo club. My brother David was also uh, a national champion as well uh, for ages eighteen to twenty, I believe. So he was like he's a really good martial artist as well, or he was. Um, so I already had the kind of like that athletic background, but like early training, I remember like not being a standout and that felt so weird but great at the same time like I wasn't ex I wasn't excelling because in that group were people who were, were just as good if not better than me so like when I first walked into like the source wrestling school I picked up things quite quickly but in that same room was the coffees your Jackie Polos your like proper top level performers who even back then, and it just, it was a breath of fresh air. Does that make sense? Because it was like all the pressure, like, I was like, and it kind of, it was nice to have something to strive to be better than. I, but like, I, I quickly lost interest in gymnastics and martial arts because I wasn't being pushed. Whereas the reason I fell in love with wrestling was because I was being pushed. Like, I had it to do a challenge. Yes, exactly. It was a challenge. That's why I. That's why I love it. I still love it because of that. Because it's every like any chance to work with a talent that you don't really work with is a challenge. Like from sounds stupid, but like wrestling someone you've never met who could be as inexperienced as to have only been like the first year wrestling to wrestling someone who's been doing it for like twenty odd years. It's it's always a challenge. It's great. I love it. I love just that. I thrive, I thrive on the challenge, really, is kind of what I'm getting. Uh, but, I mean, that's the thing. I suppose with, with wrestling, it's, it's different. I mean, did you Taekwondo initially because you wanted to, to, to be a wrestler but didn't know how to pursue it? So this is your kind of gateway. You're able to do the physical bit of it without uh, um, before you knew it. I'm going to say, I'm going to say I know. Like, it, it certainly helped. Like, I picked up things because I had that experience. But realistically, I wanted to be like my big brother, David. Because he was, he, like, I don't know if you have any brothers and stuff, but see, when you're the youngest, your two older brothers are the coolest people in the world, and they can do whatever. And, like, you just want to be them. Like, uh, David was just, like, always the cool guy in, out of the three of us because he was, like, this big martial arts champion, and, like, no one would mess with him, despite the fact he wasn't the most intimidating because everybody knew he would beat the living you-know-what out of you. If he had to, but uh, to me that was always so really cool. I think also primarily because I wanted to be a Power Ranger as well. But I think that 
it's more <laughs> yeah. but yeah like certainly like it certainly helped but it, it definitely it definitely wasn't in my mind back at that point it just so happened to work out that way um there the thing with it like being the best wrestling's so subjective and weird that you you'll never be the best if you know what i mean to to, to yeah. some people so like at least with like taekwondo there's a competition everyone who thinks they could do it does it there's a winner at the end yeah uh, whereas with wrestling it's like oh kenny omega's the best or randy orton's the best um, yeah. but you can't prove it because at the end of the day when when the match is set there's a winner and a loser yes. but, yeah like <laughs> like but like to me like so i lo- like i love all kinds of wrestling like I love Lucha Libre, I love, like, traditional grappling, I love, like, one of my favourite things right now is the ROH Pure Division, and I just love watching it because it's so different, and because, like, I just love that there's all these different styles, like, for example, like, so many people say Okada is the best wrestler in the world, so many people say Kenny Omega is the best wrestler in the world, and it's just, like, well, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but there's, like, so many things to back up, back them up as well, when you're, like, I just, I just love that it's so divisive as well. I, the divisiveness of wrestling is probably the best part of it. Uh, did you find that, that you're also working that much harder? Because to, compared to guys like the Coffees, uh, Jackie Polo, Damien O'Connor, uh, you're coming in and you're a lot smaller than these guys. So is there a bit of a uh, just trying to push yourself a little bit further than everyone else to prove that you're, you belong in that group of people? Yeah, like... Like my, uh, like to say, I kind of came in with a bit of a cocky attitude would be a bit of an understatement. Like I just kind of came in expected to excel at wrestling, and like I did well. But like when you're standing beside the coffees, who are huge, like they were huge back then and before they were like signed to WWE contracts. Um, there was always that initial fear because. Like initial fear, like my like my pet, my mum was always really worried I'd get hurt because the first I remember the first time my mum met uh, Demo, she was terrified because <laughs> um, my mum's smaller than me, and obviously Demo's like a good foot taller than me as well, and she was like, "And this is the one who's training you, okay?" <laughs> a little bit intimidating. Yeah, like. <laughs> But like I don't know, I just I think I think that small man syndrome kind of quickly kicked in. I was kind of proving no, I'm, I'm just as tough as these big guys. I can do just as I can take the same kind of hit and impacts that they could. And quickly, it was kind of established that I maybe was pushing myself a bit too quickly. Um, so. I, the first ever serious injury I got in wrestling uh, would have been, I was in early 2011, I want to say. Um, it was during a training drill. Uh, Paul, it was a Paul Tracy seminar. And I, uh, it was just a simple leapfrog the person as they roll under you in a group of three and kind of repeat it. Um, I, don't, I, can't, I can't remember who I was in the group with, but as one of them went to roll under me, I jumped to leapfrog and landed incorrectly and tore my meniscus in my knee. Like, oh, okay. 
instantly hit the deck and it was it was a nice it was a nice like kind of it was, it was it's, I'm saying nice despite the fact it was horrific but it was a good kind of like reality check that maybe pushing myself as hard as professionally trained athletes isn't maybe the smartest decision right away when I'm still only like I would have been about 17 at this point or something so like try to as much as they were a good goal the coffees and the Jackie Paul's um, I wasn't trying to act like I was on their level when I wasn't was a very terrible idea <laughs> but uh, so how, how long how long before you got back to training after that because that's I mean anything when it comes to to these legs feet I just think right that, that's a bit of a rehab experience because of course most of your wrestling is either well you're either landing on your back or you're trying to bend your knees and not break them as you as you land uh yeah. so how long was the rehab uh, before you actually got back to, to the ring after that um miraculously only a month i was only out for a month uh if i'd got surgery like initially the idea was maybe to get surgery um which would have took at least a minimum of six months to heal but because of my age, I remember the doctor not really wanting to force me to get surgery because it's obviously it can affect my mobility later on in life and stuff. So when I went and got my knees checked, um, part they had to like drain fluid out of it as well because it, it ruptured the sac, like the fluid sac in your knee. So it had drained the fluid out, um, confirmed that they told them I told them meniscus and just do some fit. Basically, it was just physio somehow healed it. Like, I should, I still kind of had problems with it. It wasn't a hundred percent healed, if I was completely honest. But I just loved wrestling so much that I had to get back in it. So, so of course, when you came back, you went for a very low impact style, uh, all technical, no high flying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Um, um, so, I've I've got noted down here. Cage match has been very wrong recently for debuts, uh, but I've got a note down here. Your debut is twenty twelve in a tag team match. Uh, yourself and Tornado against Prince uh, Most Wanted. That's Solar's debut. I actually debuted before that. It's a bloody cage match, right? So, so debut match then. Uh, how, when did you find out? When did how how did you feel about it? Nervous, all that. Oh, oh I was I was terrified. So my I found out the month before that I was getting uh, I was getting my debut um, and it was for Joe Coffey's um, fundraising event to send, to help when travelling to Zero One so I think it's like June or something like that um, I was I was initially demo went it's going to be a time match it's going to be you and Tornado um, with, like demo helped me design the mask and stuff so we'll get that uh, we'll get that word got that ordered wasn't going to be there in time for the show so my initial wrestling gear was a black taekwondo belt a set of red taekwondo bottoms kick pads uh, wrist straps and elbow pads and I looked like a really cheap Ken character from Street Fighter um, and the debut was against Wolfgang and Red Lightning yeah, just just we guys. To, to, I'm just I'm just trying to picture that. At least it wasn't pleather. Oh no, no, it wasn't pleather. Uh, like the funny enough, the initial trousers that we designed for Solar 
before they became before we decided just to do tights, uh, was basically like tight GDs kind of bottoms because I did a lot of kicks and stuff. They were like, oh, do you do these out bottoms? And then, uh, like before we before I ordered them, they went, do you know what? I've actually redesigned them as tights. Just get tights. <laughs> I was like, okay. Very, very few people can pull off uh, pleather nowadays. Back then and now, I think Tajiri's probably in a very short list. Yeah. Like, it it just looks cheap, doesn't it? I love it. Like, as as horrible as that sounds, like, pleather to me always looks like a generic indie wrestler number two. Whereas Tajiri's, I don't know, they just always look like, oh, he's he's a bit of kick my head clean off like and the, the, the trousers added to it uh, but, uh, especially when you can go on eBay and go uh, wrestling gear and the first thing will be like pleather £20 oh, okay that's there yeah. you go indie guy um, was the mask always then the idea when, when you when you were going to make your yes. debut yes I always wanted to be in a mask so like the first match I talked to, obviously I said it was Ray and Ultimo and I, I like I idolised the two of them like I wanted to be the weird wrestling love child of Ray and Ultimo. So it was always going to be, uh, it was always going to wear a mask. Um, the first the first mask, um, it, it's, they didn't quite get the design right, so it looks more like Ray's than it actually should. But um, it was uh, like inspired by Ray's wings. Uh, the crest over here was the sun. And then it was in red because uh Damien Mackle was a big thing. Like he hate he hated baby faces wearing black and stuff. And he his whole thing was like, you're gonna be a luchador, you need to be bright, colourful, flashy, so have bright, colourful gear. So get red and yellow, because it's red, like on the emotional spectrum, means explosive, fiery, stuff like that. Like he put a lot of thought into it <laughs> to really help me design it. So yeah, like wanting to wear a mask was always my thing, because I always wanted to be like kind of the Power Rangers superhero idea like I always go back to the Power Rangers because like Power Rangers is like the reason I do so much in my life like I loved like I always wanted to be like a superhero and to me the Power Rangers is like these teenage superheroes was the coolest thing in the world well we'll definitely speak about Power Rangers like I'm sure we'll have a question about them somewhere and and there's, there's a mountain of questions we got in um but no I'm a big fan of Power Rangers well the first up to zero and then I kind of dropped out but I I watched all of them up to I want to say I stopped after Operation Overdrive because Operation Overdrive was the one that just kind of ruined it for me I'm bad. I say that I say that but I probably watched after that <laughs> that's like the that's like the 19th series was that the one with the with the Blue Ranger being a really young kid because I heard a lot that kind of drops dropped a lot of people out of Power Rangers uh, no, that's like, like so. That's the season after like zero. That's Turbo, where like yeah. the blue Blue Ranger is literally a child. And you're like, oh, okay, but the Japanese like the reason for that. So like the Japanese version of Turbo, well, like everyone really sad here. Uh, the Japanese version, like Turbo is a comedy series. It's not meant to be taken seriously in the slightest. It's it's like a pure completely tonal tonal change from what Zio was in Japan, which was this dead serious, like intense show, whereas Turbo kind of was like a, a swap in the idea, so it was meant to be like this really happy, friendly like, almost Sesame Street style Power <laughs> Rangers and then that's why they kind of 
made so like to kind of carry on the same effect Saban put a child as the Blue Ranger because he was maybe like the whimsical factor for Turbo um, I, th- I think it blows I can't believe not a lot of people know because I blew my wife's mind a couple uh, a week ago by saying oh you do know that the, the actual Power Rangers bits is just spliced from uh, a Japanese show called Super Sentai Warriors or whatever I said uh, should yeah, like, <laughs> do you know this. the, because, uh, yeah, because um, in Mate Morphin, the Yellow Ranger doesn't have a skirt, whereas the Pink Ranger does, because the Yellow Ranger was a guy in Japan. And, like, the latest series, there's, like, a running joke on it, like, like, one of the, one of the female Rangers, maybe this pure tomboyish kind of character, and, like, when she morphs, for the first time she has a skirt on, she's like, well, what's this, and rips the skirt off, to kind of show, like, yeah, you don't need to have it. Um, it's yeah, like I say, Zio. Although uh, there's this guy on TikTok here who's the the red, the the last Red Ranger, original Red Ranger from Mighty Morphin. Every time it's because that's when they turn into spoilers to anyone who hasn't seen Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, but it, it's like when they turn to kids at the end of Mighty Morphin. Yeah, and I don't know why it annoys me so much when he goes, "He's the last Red Ranger." It's like, no, it's Rocky DeSantos is the last Red Ranger. <laughs> Uh, me accepting you as a child being the last Red Ranger. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, best Power Rangers then. Uh, I don't know if anyone's oh, asked that, but I'm going to just dive straight in. Oh, it's it's got to be the original, surely. The original is like, the original's always the best because it's not the franchise. Like um, That being said, because of, my, because of my love of martial arts, uh, Jungle Fury does have a special place in my heart because it's more like focused on martial arts styles and stuff. Like it's, it's in terms of like being the best, it's, it's probably not, but it's, I enjoy it. That and SPD as well, because I like the weird kind of shift into like a cop kind of idea. Like the Power Rangers was actually a, an official licensed police force. And I'm like, it's kind of cool. I remember watching uh, Forever Red, and I was just seeing all them, all them doing the 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 different ways. It's like it seems so simple back in our day, when it well back sorry, back in my day when it was just like uh, Mike Morphin hand out, and then as it as it started getting further and further along, it was getting more and more elaborate, elaborate <laughs> and weird, and they had to write in a code to for everything to. Arrive. I was like, geez, oh, I mean, how how do you fill twenty minutes and each week? I'd, I'd, I can see why. That was kind of how. The, the one that w- there's always there's one that always messes with me. So Power Rangers in Space was meant to be like the end initially of what Power Rangers was. Uh, the final episode, the Red Ranger of it, uh, has to kill Zordon because for Zor- Zordon has to die, so all the evil in the world can die with him because they're without without the ultimate source of good, there can't be evil. What? <laughs> I can, I can I can see the logic, but I I yeah okay yeah like yeah yeah and like in doing that turns all the villains good guys again. You're like what? All right, okay, now it's taking a turn. I, no, 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 it's, yeah, it's like, a bit that's, weird. yeah, like Rita Repulsa and Zed become good guys and turn into like really good characters. And there's a Power Rangers years down the line, like Mystic Force, that has the original actress who plays Rita from the Japanese version, she comes back to play the source of all good magic. And I'm like, what? No, I'm not, I'm not happy. <laughs> Stop um, ruining things. 
We'll probably come back to Power Rangers, but let, let's uh, let, let's go back to the, the wrestling just 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 for a little bit. Um, so yeah, so you, you wanted the mask, uh, you got it designed Rey Mysterio wise. Do you do a bit of training, like just with a like a half mask, or, or before you actually got in the ring for the first time with it, or uh, yeah, what, so what was that like? Like it's a challenge. Like I like it's an unexpected challenge because. Uh, so before, obviously, like the, the main difference between a mass wrestler and a, a regular uh, wrestler is that facial expressions aren't a thing now. So you can't, like, you can't rely on like being able to show pain with your face as much as you could. Like, mine's isn't so bad because like you can still see my eyes, you can still see my mouth, but I need to be able to physically show how much pain I'm in with my body. So a lot of it was like getting used just to being able to sell more elaborately with my body, if that makes sense. So, like, like taking a forearm, uh, taking a forearm to the face, normal guy would be able to show that you can, a normal guy would be able to kind of grimace and, grimace and make a pained look expression. Whereas, like, if I get hit, and if I get hit in the face when I wear the mask, I have to make a big exaggerated sell. I need to really grasp and show that I'm in pain for where I've been hit. Um, it's really, it really like it's an additional struggle, but it's it's like if it, you can learn how to do it really well, which I felt like I did. Um, it it, it works. It's a great tool because kids kids react to it slightly differently as well if that makes sense um like a kid a kid can see someone being in pain but if you see someone on the ground writhing in pain like they're like they've been shot or has been like stabbed it suddenly draws a it suddenly draws a more real in pain like sympathetic emotion like so kids tend to pick up that more kids are more sensitive to emotions which is something I learned when I started wearing the mask. Uh, I think uh, Lucha Diaz said it, it pretty much. It, it, from what you've told me so far, it, it just seems right up your street that you've went right. I'm going to be the best of this. Uh, no one ever was. Um, you're you're going to pick something, going to do something that makes it a little bit more difficult, so it pushes you a little bit further. So you're going to wear a mask. It'll it'll shut off your hearing a little bit. It'll it'll uh, restrict your your perception as well. Um, I know that's pro that probably a subconscious thing that you did. <laughs> you just went, yeah, like, I'm going to push myself, I'm going to wear a mask. <laughs> yeah, like, on some level, probably, yeah. Like, the, the biggest challenge when, so, to harken back to Power Rangers, unfortunately, uh, I, got a gear, I got gear designed based on uh, the Green Ranger Tommy's uh, set, and it's the first set I don't have my eyes open in. It's, it's the only one I've got that doesn't have my eyes open. And it is... It was such an additional, like, wow. Like, I can see perfectly fine now that people can't see my eyes. And I was like, wow, this is a new challenge. Like, oh, this is different. Like, it kind of, it took me aback. But at the same time, it was really fun. I was like, oh, this is really cool. So I now, I've now, now got my eyes. How do I now, so I now be more exaggerated with myself and stuff. And it's, 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 it's a good kind of challenge. Like, I'd recommend anyone who ever wants to kind of give it a bash to try and try and suddenly lose something to sell with because it just it's it's a it's a new challenge that unless you try it you'll never experience it. That makes sense. 
absolutely. Um, so how did the tag team reunion tornado come together then? Was it just he wanted to do a bit of a mask gimmick as well and then... Um, it, was, it was literally, like, so I never met Tornado until I teamed with him. Like, physically, never met with met him. Uh, like, um, I think we met maybe one session prior to my first, to the debut without the mask. And then during that point, we kind of started training and stuff. And he, he'd already debuted, so he was doing the superhero being a thing. And then they wanted to put, um, they put us together as a team for the debut, for the, the Clay Bank show, they were like, right, we're going to do this as a proper team. What's your names? And he, he immediately went, oh, I want to be the Avengers. And I'm like, uh, I don't think we can do that. Like, legally, I don't think we can do that. <laughs> um, but he was always, he was called the Masked Avenger anyway. I'm like, why not just call us the Masked Avengers? And they were like, oh, yeah, that works. We'll do that. And I'm like, cool. Um Fun enough along with naming as well. Um, so I, I debuted as Robbie Wishart. That was like what I initially debuted as. When it came to them, came to the day of like the the mass debut. So we're like we're backstage, we're getting ready. We're they still have we still haven't decided on my name because it was Solar was was picked quite quickly, but they always like they wanted a first name. Like, I couldn't just be Solar because he was Tornado. Like, they wanted me to have, a, like, a second name, a, like, a, a two-name. And the initial ones were Shane Solar or Sean Solar. And I was like, no, those are awful. <laughs> and then I just kind of love it, Robbie. And they're like, Robbie Solar. Oh, yeah, that works. We'll go with that. And then um, the, main the main reason I, I picked Robbie, by the way, um, it's short for Robert. Robert was my grandfather. And um, as I mentioned today on my Father Day tweet, um, my father uh, left when uh, at the day I was born. My grandfather was the closest thing I ever had to a dad, and he passed away when I was quite young. So he was like, he was like somebody I was like looked up to, inspired to, and he was just somebody I wanted to like in my own way kind of have my own tribute to. So that's what it was for. I'll we'll probably come to a little bit later on, but that actually makes far more sense for your son's name now, because it was like he's, he's named his son after his own wrestling character. That's a bit, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that makes far more sense now. Yeah. So um, actually, uh, funnily enough, I didn't pick the name Robbie for my son. It was it was my partner Tony. She she picked the name because she really liked it, and I kind of I was like. I really liked it, but I'm like, people are going to think I've named him after me. <laughs> but, and they um, did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, um, so his, his full name is Robbie Joe Wishart. Everyone goes like, RJ Wishart. Is that, does it stand for Robbie Junior Wishart? No, it's, it's <laughs> not. No. Oh, oh man. <laughs> uh, so, as I say, we'll probably end up getting back into that. But uh, so, I've got your debut. So we'll 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 say it's your debut was that match with with mm -hmm. Last Avengers uh, because I'm assuming you don't really want to remember the uh, the Taekwondo gear or the, although what, what was your what was your memories of that match and how do you think you you did? So my first experience of meeting Wolfgang comes from this and so 
our debut, Wolfgang arrives. Initially, it was actually meant to be Wolfgang and James Scott, but James Scott pulled out at the last minute. So Red stepped in to kind of fill in. And I, I remember Demo going, so it's you two against our new lads. One of them's having his debut tonight. And Wolf, and he's like, right, cool. And then Demo's uh, they're over. And, and Barry, as a joke to wind us up, went, what? I don't agree to that. And I genuinely got afraid that I thought Wolfgang was angry. <laughs> And then, obviously, anyone who knows him knows that Wolfgang's probably one of the nicest human beings alive. So, like, I generally was like, oh, no, he's not happy. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm hiding behind Tornado at this point. Like, no. <laughs> but, um, no, I love that match. Um, Red and Wolfgang were so good ways. Um, I asked, like, I couldn't have asked for a better debut. Like, my entire, uh, my mum, my two brothers, uh, my uncle, my aunt and my gran uh, were all in the front row. Uh, they all love. They all loved it. Like my gran, my gran hasn't watched me wrestle since, um, because she doesn't want to watch her grandson get battled. <laughs> um, my aunt ha, aunt doesn't hasn't came and watched me wrestle because she has a phobia of masks. So she like there's there's a reason f- f- behind it. Well, I don't, I'd rather it's not my place to talk about it, but. Um, so they never came and watched me, but my, my uncle came came to a show and watched me. Um and then my brothers have been my brothers and my mum came to a few more shows after that. But it was it was a really good moment because obviously we won. Uh I I, I hit the sweet chin music for the uh for the for the, the finish, which always popped me because I just I love a good sweet chin music because it's 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 a great move. And uh, I just remember I just remember Red and Wolfgang just being so good to work with. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't thank them enough at the time, and I still can't thank them enough for carrying me through what could have been a disaster, but they made it seem so easy. Uh, and then within the year, you were in a ladder match against uh, Damon O'Connor and, and Scott Rennick, and winning tag team titles with Tornado. Um, so a ladder match is a little bit. A little bit different, like say, yeah, like we've already established, your knees were, were, were your knee was, was probably not in the best shape. Uh, um, had niggles. What was it like in a ladder match then? So, this pro- I probably shouldn't admit this, but I took a panic attack before the show. I went and hid in a, I went and hid in a corner of the room and cried because I was freaking out, like genuinely terrified to do the match. Um, I'd agreed to it and stuff, and. The person who calmed me down, uh, I don't know if he, if he ever remembers this, but it was Mark Haskins. Randomly, Mark Haskins, and Mark Haskins worked Joe Coffee that night, and he just had to pass me as I was freaking out in the corner. And instead of doing what some people would have done, walk past, he took 20 minutes of his time to talk to a kid who was having a genuine panic and freak out and talk him down and explain and just make me feel better. Like, I've I've never shared a room a lot of room with Mark since then. I don't think he'll even remember it to be honest. But to me, it kind of really, it really kind of it helped. It helped kind of calm me for that night. Uh, and then I accidentally twisted my knee in a spot in the ladder anyway. Which um, yeah, I, I gave like Damien, I gave I gave Damo a head kick on the ladder, and it, we were both meant to fall. As I fell, my my foot got caught in the thing, and my knee went one. My foot went one way, my knee went the other, 
wasn't a serious injury, but it was just it was enough to really mess my knee up. Take it for like a few weeks, but it was t- it was terrifying. Like um, I like I agreed to it, but I was still I was I agreed to do the ladder match, but I was really scared the entire time. Like Demo and Scotty, they like again, they they went out their way to make sure I was safe, make sure I was fine, and all that stuff. It was just my own fear was getting the better of me that night, and it just so happened. Mark Haskins of all people was the one that talked me out of it. Um, I don't know if it was uh, that might be the match that's on like YouTube as part of full on, but um, from what I remember from from seeing the ladders that SWA used anyway, uh, it wasn't your your WWE both sides have rungs kind of of ladders. It was oh, one side has rungs and their side has three bars. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I remember the I remember like I I only climbed them once because because uh, I, I like. I, I made them aware of how bad my like how my knee was kind of bothering me that day and I was scared of what to, I couldn't do much with the ladder whereas Tornado was like I'll do everything with the ladder like he wanted to do mental stuff with the ladder he wanted to, he wanted to try and superplex Demo off the ladder and I remember Demo just going no <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> uh, and he, he's like okay okay but like like they weren't. They weren't. They weren't unstable. But it was just like it's. It's quite a terrifying sight to try and climb that, and then someone across for you. And like as you climb and take a step, the ladder shakes, and then they take a step, and the ladder shakes, and you're like, "Oh, this is such a terrible idea." <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, ladder matches. I mean, I, I don't think you've done that many since. Maybe uh, I did. I I did I did a ladder match for SWE in one of two appearances I've ever made for SWE, um, which was fine. Uh, that one was fine. And then the next time I didn't I wasn't I didn't do a ladder match. I did a no DQ match for SWE because it was made, it was announced as a ladder match for Mother Royal, but they didn't actually check to see if they could hang the belts. It was a it was a junior heavyweight match. It was myself, Dickie Divers. Lewis Garvin and Ryan Griffin and there's a moment like I missed time I jump and off a off an arm drag into the ladder and instead of bouncing off the ladder I hit the ladder and slide down and sliced my back open jeez yeah yep and then I was meant to take like a back body drop like minutes later into it and I turned to like while divers was underneath it and I was like I remember setting up the spot going to Garvin I went just drop toe hold me and as I run off, Garvin makes a noise of like a, like a squeal because he's realised how bad my back's bleeding. <laughs> so like he makes a noise, and I'm like, I hit it. I like I finished the match, but as soon as I went backstage, um, uh, the paramedics on the scene, which uh, some people don't know, was Bob, was Bobby Roberts, who's trained uh, trained first. Uh, who was a? It's not a first aider. It's like the level above a first aider. But he's not a paramedic. Does that make sense? That is that middle bit. Ah, he's like that middle bit. So he's, uh, I'm backstage lying there, like as he's trying to like clean my back out and get the like the blood all off it, and like it was just it was not it was not a fun time. Uh, it's one of those things when you you felt it, and you think this doesn't feel good, but as soon as as Lewis made that noise, you're like, oh, it's a lot worse than I ever thought. Yeah. It was. <laughs> 
yeah, as I'm running, I'm like, oh, I probably should have rolled out by now. <laughs> but, um, like, I wrestled the week after it for was one. And my back had, like, big, massive plus. I wrestled Johnny Lyons, who back rakes my back the entire time. And as he goes to give me the, like, he, he, I didn't tell him, I didn't warn him, go, don't do this or it like, so he puts me in the corner, goes to give me the back rake, and he realises the wounds of my hand, and it's on, as soon as he goes for it, he goes, sorry, mate, back rakes it, and I just turn and look at him and go, why? <laughs> and and uh, for, if anyone who hasn't seen a Johnny Lies match, of course, he does a, a drop kick from the, the top to the back as well, so that probably wasn't a, a good time. <laughs> He he was try, he tried to be so nice that night, but like even that one caught me, and I was like, "Oh, Johnny, please stop!" And it's not Johnny time. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Please stop. We wish we'll have to be in SWE appearances. You made two of them. That means I've seen both of your matches in SWE because yeah. I, I would have been there for both of them. It would have been a, a it was a DDP show, yes. and uh, it would have been a hell for Laker that year. Yes. Um, yeah, see, I, I, I was going scrolling through and I saw them and I thought, who's that those shows? I didn't see, I didn't see SWP again. I was like, oh, I must have, have I actually seen both your matches there then. Uh, yeah, when I used um, to make those journeys. Uh, yeah, after the ladder match, um, uh, it was probably the last appearance, the last appearance I ever made for SWP was that ladder match. Like, um, they, they tried to bring me back in, like, a year later, but the dates just we just couldn't match up the dates. But it was something. I think I was meant. Uh, I think they wanted to bring me back in to work with LJT or something like that. It was like it was like a, a series of dates they wanted to give me, but not ever came of it. Uh, but no, LGT, I think I don't think he's he's coming back, which is a shame because the match that they see of his, there was there was something there. They just never really got anything further than than Dundee, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So. From the ladder match to 2013, tag titles, you were able to, to drop back down again in 2014. You spoke about your, your love for Ring of Honor and the pure division, and you faced Jonathan Gresham uh, in 2014. So, I, I, I'd never heard of Jonathan Gresham before I'd met him. So, he did a training seminar, and he walked, uh, it was like a battle of, it was like Scotland v England show, SW had booked, but they wanted to do like one match that wasn't, so it was him, him and Lewis Gurman, and he did a seminar like the first day before, and it, I think I fell in love with the man. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd never met him. Mark Coffey, I'd spoke to Mark before it because he, he trained with him in Japan and stuff, and he went, you're going to love it. And he was right. I, I loved every moment of it. So trained with him. Uh, he came. He obviously then came back to it, and I got the chance to wrestle him because, to sound like a child throwing a temper tantrum, I was determined I was wrestling him, and I was like, I I remember having a conversation with Demo that he kind of laughed off, but I was being pure serious, like, but no, seriously, if you don't book me against John Fingresham, I will be the most miserable person in the world to deal with. So it has to be me, and he's just doing his typical laugh and going, okay, whatever. Because he, he'd already booked it, but just hadn't told me it because he liked it. Because he just thought it was funny. I was throwing a tantrum. But I remember, I remember being so nervous because, like, he was like so. He, to me, he was like he was my first proper import 
that I got to wrestle one-on-one and it was something I really wanted and again same way as I said about Wolfie and Red absolute gentleman couldn't talk nicer about him um, he just he was so good to work with he was smooth great I had such a fun time doing it but as it now as the years have gone on and I've watched what he's done in uh, our Ring of Honor like because even back then he I remember him telling me Ring of Honor was his goal I, like I remember we were just having a conversation he was like Ring of Honor is where I want to be like I know how good a wrestler I am but I need to be in Ring of Honor to show how good it is because they're the only place that will let me be me and I'm like okay cool and he then obviously he's went out of his way he's got there he's now the pure division and like as I watch him now I kind of go I wasn't even anywhere near his level at that point he held back so much against me I'm like I'd love to wrestle him again now just to see if I'm if if I've got better how much better he's got just like I know I was good back then but I prove I'm as good as I seem to think I am and be in the ring with the best wrestler in the world because he is the pure between him and Zack Sabre he's the best pure wrestler in the world um, I've, I've seen like little bits and pieces of his stuff more recently and yeah it's just, everything is just it's what's that phrase liquid wrestling I think so yeah. the phrase just everything just flows just I like words can't describe like there's no, there's no wasted energy. Everything he does makes sense. There's a little, like, I, I like ROH did a big kind of hype video between him and Lethal for like their big match for the Pure Title, and see just listening to how much like they just sat and spoke about like the stuff. It's a really good watch. I'd, I'd recommend you watch it if, even if you don't see the match because it's a great hype video. But it just talks about like how Gresham, particularly in ROH, he'd never won a Pure match in the same way. Like, he always comes up with different ways to win. He's, his mind's just so, so on point. And I think that's why I'm still pure obsessed with him. Because, like, to me, like, he's, like, to me, he is the best wrestler in the world. Like, like Ray, Ray I, I say Ray's, like, my greatest of all time because of how much I love him. But, like, right now, to me, Gresham's probably the best performer in the world for a pure wrestling fan. There's others that excel in different areas compared to him. But to me, he's a pure he's the best pure wrestling experience you'll ever see. Um, were you still, was that still in your like tag team phase with yourself and Tornado or did he kind of fade away? Yeah, he kind of faded away. Like, so he took pneumonia for like the third time. Like he'd like, I, I didn't know you could get pneumonia multiple times, but apparently what happens when you get pneumonia is it weakens your immune system. So the first time you get it, it's really hard every other time after that it's much easier so like he for health reasons kind of stopped um but it was that was when i was kind of like so i was doing well with swa and i was doing like i'd been in icw at this point and i was getting like i was getting really good i was getting really good matches like i did the four-way that brought me in so like i was i was not to sound like i was being arrogant i was kind of quickly proven i was i was probably the best of my style in the country at the time which kind of led to the whole Scotland's greatest luchador nickname because I was like prove me wrong like no one really could at the time so Um, and then you had I think there was a brief you had had Celticaro for a little bit as well trying to to keep the mask 
wrestler thing going, but the singles more your your what you want to do. You kind of just want to strike out and just prove your like, like you say, prove your your own worth that you are the best at what, what you could do. Um, at that time, probably yeah. Like there was definitely like it was definitely proving how good I was. Like I hated I hated this whole thing of like so at that like this sounds like I'm being very critical of Scottish wrestling. And I kind of am, but I'm not, I don't mean it the way it comes across. But at that time, to me, there was no one, like, unless you were, like, a big heavyweight or had been around for years, no, like, cruiserweights weren't getting taken seriously. And it, like, it used to really bother me. Like, like, at the top, like, I'm not saying a cruiserweight needs to be at the top of a car or anything like that, but, like, there was no one that was standing out. Like, no one was able to get in and have, like, excellent epic matches with the likes of the coffees and stuff unless they were a similar frame as them like the only the only other cruiserweight at the time i felt was any good was noam like obviously noam like noam's noam's one of those af- one of those professional wrestlers that come along at the right time and just cut out on their own and just prove how good they were like he was like the best cruiserweight in the country and I felt like I was quickly proven I was just as good as him for the way I wrestled. And that's what I kind of wanted to prove that like cruiserweights were just, were as important as the heavyweights because unless you were a heavyweight, it didn't really seem to matter, which was kind of what always grinded my gears. Uh, so I was, when you were saying that the other names, I was still the other one that popped in my head for that time frame anyway was probably Stevie Boy, but he would have been in the tag team. So his his... Yeah. Stuff would have been in the in the Bucky Boys instead of actually being a single yeah. solo specific soldier. Yeah, like which is which for anyone like I've I've often spoken about this, like Stevie Boy to me is the best performer not signed. At this current moment, I don't know if he's signed or not. I'm just gonna state that just in case it turns out he is or something. I don't know if he's signed or not, but to me, Stevie Boy is probably the best unsigned Scottish talent right now. Because like if you like so as you mentioned, he, was a t- he went from being a tag team where he played an Ed to literally breaking out on his own and just proving that he's he's as good, if not better, than most of the talents in the world. Like, like he can go, he can easily hang with some of the best talents in the world, and like, just he is so good. Like that's 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 just oh, I can't I can't praise Stevie enough as a performer. Oh, I mean, one of my favorite matches is still it's it's the first match I saw WrestleZone a proper WrestleZone because of the pre-show match. It was him and uh, Bingo Balance, and it's it's a match that made me just fall in love not just with just Scottish wrestling in general because I've been to shows before, but it was just the match that made me fall in love with WrestleZone and made me fall in love with going to Aberdeen to watch wrestling. Was just seeing yeah. these two guys just go all out. I mean, if I watch it back now. With now that I've watched so much wrestling, you, you could go, oh, but this bit could have been a little bit better. But for sitting there live watching Stevie Boy and Bingo Balance, it was yeah. just amazing. Like, yeah, like I, I'm pretty sure I've watched the match uh, you've talked about, or they, or they did a rematch. I've, I've either watched the first or the second match, but both. Are, but from my understanding, they are both incredible matches. Like. Uh, someone, someone a while ago put up on Twitter saying, "Oh, I would love to see uh, Wisher, so like me versus Bingo Balance," and I just kind of went, "Well, <laughs> I'm game if he is." Wrestles Owen, <laughs> but um, I like 
Stevie Boy just doesn't get enough praise. Like, he, but he's not even un, like he's not even underrated. Does that make sense? Like, he's not an underrated talent. Everyone knows how good he is, but I don't. But I think more people than you know how good he is. I think, but I think the way you put it is pretty much it. He's, he's the best. I would, yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. Um, unless of, I put him up there, him, Andy Wild would probably be the, oh, yeah. the two oh, yeah. top guys that are not signed that we know of. <laughs> yeah, that we know of. Like, like Andy, like, I obviously Andy had his wee period, but he wasn't, it wasn't there. And I had my, I had my series of matches in ICW with Andy that I loved. Like, even, even like the one that had that freak accent, like, I still love that match. And I loved like the payoff for it. Cause he's just, Andy's just a good, like, I think because he's such a nice guy as well, makes me enjoy his matches more. Like, I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing, there's, there's no malicious intent in Andy Wilde at all. Like, so you're like, I want to see you succeed. And the fact of how good he is, I'm like, oh, I really want to see you succeed. Absolutely. I mean, I was supposed to interview him a couple of weeks back, um, but of course, he's the busiest man in the world. So uh, yeah. he messaged me very politely saying that we'll have to reschedule it. And I was like, you're... Andy, you just tell me when. I, I will just be ready. You just tell me because, yeah, he's, he's so nice. I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, well, we agreed. We'll be speaking at this time because he is literally one of the nicest people. Um, right, yeah. ICW then. We'll definitely get into that because, yeah, he had a brief but uh, uh, eventful uh, time in ICW. Uh, from what I'm remembering, just off the top of my head, he ended up in the crowd at some point. Uh, so... <laughs> What was it like going into ICW? A totally different crowd, not family friendly. It was just, it's like you go in and the crowds immediately impress me, kind of. Um, so I was like, like, so I was less intimidated by the crowd than I was more than Dal. Was I was more intimidated by Dallas himself. So and the reason was, uh, so the four that were brought in, like at this point, the square goal had a thing where they would bring like four young unknown talents in to do the square goal. Um, at the time it was Garvin Massimo Italiano I believe his name was I don't think he wrestles anymore like um, and then Saki Bali so they like Dallas and at his time it was Chris Renfrew who was his business partner at the time uh, messages basically explained all of it and I saw that I was last I was the last one in and I was like right and the other three have got, like, periods of not, like, they're in pretty quickly and they're out pretty quickly. And I'm like, right. And then I see mine. I'm in for quite a bit. And I'm like, oh, this is, oh, no, don't tell me they've, they've put a lot of pressure on me. Oh, that's not a good idea. Uh, and then I get private, I get a message separately from Renfrew basically saying, listen, we've got this idea for how you get eliminated. If you're not comfortable with it, perfectly acceptable, we won't do it. How would you feel to be flung in the crowd by Wolfgang? And the idea was, I get flung in the crowd, the security catch me, and I get put back in the ring. I was like, sure, no problem. Can we, is there going to be time to practice the lift before it? Because, like, all that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, plenty of time, plenty of time. <laughs> sorry, I've got a bit of running nose. I'm just off That's the end sorry. of a cold. <laughs> um, so I meet I meet Barry. He instantly remembers me from my debut. He's like, "Oh, nice to see you again and stuff." So we practice. So we practice the lift. Half, he kind of half strengths it. So he, 
it's fine. And then it comes to square ball thing. Everyone's out. Lewis comes back. Massimo comes back. Saqib comes back. I heard of it. What happened with Saqib because he was because someone made a racist comment. He spat at the member of crowd in the co- that made the racist comment. Um. So I'm I'm kind of getting nervous just as I go like the person who's before me goes out. Can't mind who it was. I walk out. I will. I get ready. Start warming up. Dallas comes up to me and goes, "You've got one chance, mate. Don't f this up." Just as I'm about to go out, and I'm like, "Okay," I run out. Crowds don't look at the crowd. Get to the ring. First thing I see is Jimmy Havoc dripping with blood, and I have that instant moment of like, "Oh, okay." I suddenly realise where I am. Get in the ring. See Mark Coffey, do my stuff, and then Wolfgang comes in. And there's a moment like I'm jet like we do this, I do the stuff with Wolfgang. And because the crowd and the adrenaline, Wolfgang lifts me and almost loses his grip with me because he forgets how late I am. So he like he throws me and kind of has to grab me again as I'm up. Do the throw perfectly fine. But he threw me so hard, the security couldn't actually catch me properly. So I hit the security and just wiped them all out, basically. And it's like fans that are lifting me back up. Um, get announced as eliminated. I go backstage and Dallas shakes my hand and goes, well done, mate. I'll, see, I'll, I'll, call, I'll, I'll message you in, in about an hour with more dates. And that's just how it happened. Um, because like Wolfgang really pushed to keep working with me. Um, apparently Noam asked to work with me. That's why we did the one-on-one with me and Noam. Like I, I, I was kind of like shocked because like these were big time talents who were wanting to work with me. And I'm like, cool, let's do this. Let's go out and prove. Um, fast forward to the reason I left ICW which I'll need to clarify, it wasn't left. I was actually fired from ICW. I'm perfectly honest about this. Uh, I've been very open about this. So I would be about 19. Pretty cocky. Um, I've already been told by Dallas at this point, uh, I'm going to be zero G champion. Like he's like, it's set, it's going to happen. So the biggest, the most powerful promoter in the country is telling me he's going to shoot me to the moon. So I'm pretty cocky, I'm confident. At the time as well, it just became public about my relationship with and uh, now Raw Superstar Viper, so who is also one of the most beloved people backstage. So they say um, acting like I'm Billy Big uh, would be a bit of an understatement. Uh, so we go to a charity show. Uh, it was like the Runaway Rumble. Like they did like a gimmick battle royal at the end of it. Like Dallas came out as ultimate warrior. Um I'm having a good night, I'm a bit drunk. And I just say something I shouldn't have to the wrong person. And that was it. Uh gradually I was my push was cancelled and I got turned into basically a very much needed reality check that no one's untouchable. And the, and the reason I'm quite happy with all of this because I'm like, if I don't if I don't acknowledge this, people are gonna like, oh, whatever did happen. And I'm like, this is what happened. I was a cocky wee boy 
who got a very much needed reality check. I can look at it like nearly 10 years ago now, I can look at it quite honestly and go, no, if I was in that same position, I would have done the same thing. Like, so it's very much, I was, it was very much me being honest about being the, the problem. <laughs> I mean, I suppose when you have your around you, you have being the the like the top at your game before you went to wrestling and taekwondo, and then picking it up quite quickly, uh, being one of the best of your style in the country, and then being told that you're being shot to the moon and you're only nineteen at that point. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's unfortunate, but there's no surprise <laughs> that uh, yeah, that you're like, sitting there going, "I am, I am proving that I'm the best." Because people say I'm, people are saying I'm the best and put me in position to be the best. So it's yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. Like it's like looking back on it, I'm so glad I got punished when I did. I'd hate to picture me now if I didn't. Like I'd be like if 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 ICW had followed through and still gave me the zero G. Oh, I think I'd be the most detestable human being in the world. Like I would just be unbearable so now at 26 looking back on it like yeah it was needed like the, like there's no animosity between either side well there's no animosity on my side I don't know if there is on the else but I'm perfectly honest about it like it was my it was it was a reality check I'm glad it happened like they brought me in a few times after that as well like I did like space balls was a prime example so like I did the space war stuff with Andy. Um, like, only, but I, that was run by Jackie Polo, not really ICW. Like ICW funded it, but it was actually Jackie Polo who was the booker. Um, so he booked a lot of the stuff. Um, and Jackie's always had like Jackie's always had a lot of time for me. Like I've always had a lot of time for Jackie as well. So like you're always so I think that's probably why I got brought back in ICW when I did. Uh, so what was, I mean, at 19 then, top of the world, um, and then you've been just told, no, that's all stopping. Um, I, I'm guessing that there was a there was a period where you were quite bitter with, with wrestling in general, or did you just go back into going, right, I'm still going to prove you wrong, I'm oh, going to go all these places and just do my definitely thing. Definitely better. Definitely better. <laughs> um, uh, like, See, see, until like I think it was about twenty-one. I think I refused to accept that I was in the wrong. Like I was like I probably probably closer to twenty-two to be honest. Like I just I what like like no, it's it's their fault. It's that but realistically, I was just I was just silly. Like like I think being better. Like I remember I remember like during that point. Like, there was quite a few people that didn't like working with me. Um, I kind of developed a bit of a re reputation of being a bit of an ass. Um, because I was... Because I think I think because it did just go straight to my head, I kind of became self-entitled, which in this business doesn't do anyone any good. As soon as you're self-entitled, as soon as... It's, the moment you're self-entitled is the moment people will stop putting up with you. Like, the reason everyone has time for Andy Wilde He's not self-entitled. Everyone has time for uh, Stevie Boy. He's not self-entitled, but they're both the best of their respective abilities, and they're just lovely people. So, like, 
there was definitely bitterness, definitely bitterness on my side. Um, but I'm very honest about I'm very honest about it. Like it was bitterness just because I was thrown basically a big tiff. Um, I mean, like say at the age, um, it's not it's not out of character for for someone nineteen twenty. Um, just if they've been given, if they've received, they've received everything, if they've earned everything, and they think that that, that uh, like well, I'm the best. I should have this. Then yeah. that's just that's just how it's going to go. But um, as, as long as you I mean, like I say, as long as you can acknowledge it, at least it's yeah, it's a show. It's a it's a sign of maturity, I suppose. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm 30. Uh, when this goes out, I'll be 31, and I, I don't think I'm that mature at this point yet. Uh, so at least if you acknowledge your own mistakes and you're you're still 26, <laughs> there's plenty of time <laughs> to get back in and and uh, and sky is is the limit, I suppose. Um, so around that time, then would be your SWA Junior Heavyweight Champion, was 2015, um, and then you made some appearances down in Workham as well yes. uh, at the time I don't think it was called Alpha Omega at the time was it I think it was paid promotion paid. that was it paid um, paid matches updated it to AOW but I knew it was something different um, yeah so you're a cyanide for solar power yes that? That, that was a that was a we call it Morecambe magic because for anyone who's ever been to a Morecambe wrestling show it's it exists in its own wee world. Like, <laughs> like anything that happens on the outside world in Morecambe, it doesn't matter. Like, si- like Cyanide's a prime example. Cyanide could be the biggest villain, like in PCW down the road. As soon as he walked through Morecambe, he was the, he's like he's the greatest hero that I've ever lived. Like that was kind of what it was. So it was it, we were kind of fl- we were kind of flung together just because the promoter really liked the name Solar Power. Those first reasons. <laughs> um, he also he was also supposed to have Jason Prime and Dylan Roberts together as a team, uh, uh, to be because it was Prime it was Prime and one hundred percent Welsh beef. Uh, Dylan Roberts and it was meant to be just called a team called Prime Beef. <laughs> I like it. I'm liking this promoter. I'm, I'm liking this. Uh, he runs uh, up puns. Oh, like he does. It just made them laugh, and I love I love that. Um, but so we. So we were like we never we we were friendly like we weren't like we weren't really good pals or anything like that but like I liked working with them I liked I liked the dynamic. Um, I worked a lot with the referendum. Uh, we wrestled the models. Um, and I think like we ended up wrestling. Um, Big sexy was the tag name. It was sexy Kev now Kev Lloyd and a guy called Mister Big. I like he was basically this big six foot guy and just, it was just silliness you could laugh um, do you think the mask meant well because people didn't know if you're Scottish or not because I remember I probably on ACW about uh, folk thinking you're Mexican uh, but do you think that the mask and how, avoided you being in the referendum because it seemed to be anyone that was Scottish as soon as you went to Morecambe you're in the referendum that, that was the actual that was the actual gimmick of the referendum was that anyone like it wasn't it wasn't a faction it was a nation that was their whole gimmick that's why every Scottish person came down was part of the so I did, I did two shows for paid. I wrestled James Drake, one of them, and then I wrestled Chris Ridgway, the, like, the last last paid show before it became Alpha Omega. And they wanted to do... I th- like, it wor- they just liked the idea of me teaming with them. I think that's why I didn't get put in the referendum. But there's... 
there's a bit, there's a moment. The first time we wrestled the referendum, so like they're bullying Lana Lustin. I come out to try and make the save. They're all just laughing at me, and then Cyanide comes out, and then chase them off. They're running about with a Scotland flag, and for some reason, I don't know why, there was a fan with England flag there. I assume because of the referendum. I jump and grab the England flag and lift it inside. I just starts laughing uncontrollably because it's me holding it. Uh, and then, like, I get a chant going, and he comes up to me and goes, Don't do that. You've got such a Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think, I, think, I think the fact that I was in a mask kind of worked. Um, but it was just it was just good fun, really. Uh, like, I, I, like the referendum stuff was good laugh. Um, I enjoy. I enjoyed. I enjoyed working with Joey Hayes and Danny because it was just a uh, like I'd never, I I'd, I'd never been on a show with them before. And then I wrestled them. And it was good fun. Um, Cyanide. Like, there was a show for some strange reason. We kept all doing the Nakamura uh, on the ring ring ropes. So just for some strange reason, we're doing it and watching Cyanide try to do it made me laugh. <laughs> Um, he seems to be quite a big favourite because Alistair Esland daft and uh, Grado just sings his praises just he wants Crater on well Crater now he's, he's known from WOS wrestling um, the, the, yeah apparently he's, he's one, again one of the nicest guys in the world <laughs> like I've got like he was just he's so polite he's so lovely he just he's unintentionally funny does that make sense like he, he says things that, that shouldn't be funny but he just because it's him saying it it's just hilarious like um we did a, we did a, we did a match. It was always against this against Big Sexy, and he's like, uh, he's like, so Kevin, I'll start. We'll put on a technical masterclass, and just because he said it, it was the funniest thing ever. But it just wasn't that funny. And he's like, so you put me in the wrist lock. I'll four roll nip up, and we're just because he's trying to explain it. It just seems so much funnier than it actually was. But like, we are. Promoter comes up and goes, right guys, you're on next, he's ready. And we're just still howling at the start of the idea of him being a technical masterclass. <laughs> um, oh. so, so, so that kind of moved on. And in 2018, uh, I can't believe that we're, I'm still, I've got the 2018 and we're still in the timeline and it hasn't gone absolutely right yet. <laughs> it's a Scot- uh, Scottish Luchador, it's Lucha Scotland. That's, that begins. It's- uh, of course, it's uh, Lucha DS, yourself, Soldato from GPWA, and Falcon from Forever. Um, how did that come about? Uh, Lucha DS, 100% Lucha DS's idea. So, Lucha and I got Lucha, who's now one of my best pals, but one of the bane of my existence as well. Um, he, he and I started teaming for SWA. He was teaming with Soldato some places. And then I did a show with Falcon just as a random collection of teams. It was just people wanted to book two mask guys. And then SWA, we were initially called uh, the Scottish Luchadors. Then they called us Lucha Scotland. And he turned, and Lucha went and asked the guy who ran SWA now, um, uh, Scott Cassie. I wasn't even sure if I was allowed to say his name because, because he, I don't know if people know he's the promoter. <laughs> but, um, Lucha asked him, would you be right if we ran with this? He was like, yeah, cool, do, do whatever you want. And then he kind of came up with this idea of what if, the, what if we were a group of luchadors who were all about trying to help each other get work, about trying to get each other, like if one of us does something, we all share it. If, one of us, uh, if two of us are doing something and, and try and create this just 
a faction across things, but like an actual, more like, less a faction, more of a brand, best way to put it. And I was just like, his brainchild, basically. Because he is like, no one's doing this. What It doesn't have to be one of us or not one of us, and that's it. It can be all of us, it can be none of us. And I think the person who, t- who took the advantage of it the most was actually David Colvin, who runs Big Massive. He literally booked all four of us for a show in one match. Uh, Lucha Warfare, he called it. And it's just this, it's just that brief moment all four of us are backstage and I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not used to seeing this many masks. Um, but it's, 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 I think it's, I think it's done well for everybody. Like, so that'll get some more work out of it. Uh, Falcon's been brought back into the limelight, despite the fact that people were like under the impression he retired when he didn't. He just wasn't as used as much as others. Uh, Lucha, who's a brand machine, can sell, could sell anything to anyone, and it just kind of helped with me because I was quite lazy on social media. But it just it was like benefits to everyone, and it, it just unless you count that Stephen Louch interview where we all just get hammered at the pub before it and said horrific things. <laughs> I know, I'll, I'll forever wonder what was said in, between, in the edit cuts. Um, prob- probably, uh, no, nothing productive, probably. Let's just go oh, no. <laughs> those, those, um, I, vague, I can't tell you what was said, but I remember Stephen Louch generally went, I need to stop recording right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's good fun, like, like as as I say, I've like Lucha's became like one of my best pals. Like um, he's Uncle Lucha to my son. Um, his boy calls his boy calls me uh, Mister Solar. It's just just get laugh really. Um, and then just, I I just enjoy it because I've got I've got plenty of time for the everybody involved in it. Like no like we'll just have fun with it, which is kind of what kind of what I was needing at that point. Uh, so, I mean, time is a wonderful thing. So, right about when Lucha Scotland starts, this uh, young upstart, Robbie Wish- uh, Robert Wishart, started making appearances. Uh, King Robert Wishart uh, in some fields. Uh, what made you decide to, to, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for everyone, but what made you decide to take off the mask and start wrestling for the first time or the first few times without that kind of safety blanket of of not having to use facial expressions so the first time I was ever I was ever said I didn't need a mask was uh, it was by Robbie Brookside he was up doing a, a source he did like a week long seminars for source and I, I was lucky enough to attend some of them and he found out it was a mask wrestler and like one of the things I really struggled with is I hate doing promos. Like I at the time I really hated doing promos. I was uncomfortable in front of a camera unless I had the mask and I could talk. And he and he sat and basically went like, "You don't need it though. You're a good looking lad. You don't need a mask. Like you could." And that was like the first time it was ever mentioned. Now I'd be back like 2013. So fast track to it's CPW. Uh, I've just Solar has just debuted. Um, I think we did like I think I did like another show for them, and then Bobby Roberts was meant to go in this big title match with uh, uh, Eric Arkham. It was meant to be like the big, big match between the two villains and stuff. And at the time, a lot of people don't know Bobby was helping book the shows, 
So they were like, and Bobby's like, oh, I'm trying to think how to make this work. And you know, I was like, why are you blowing your load so quickly? Like, we were, because it's like an eight hour train journey. So, me and my partner at the time, uh, and Bobby, and Bobby was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, why not do a story? Why not build the match even more? Like, build this idea of he's actually fighting. And he's like, oh, who would we put in? And I was like, oh, well, you've got Big Bob. He's got his number one contenders. And I was like, and I was like sack it. I'll wrestle you. Oh, can I have two? Oh, do I do two faces? I went, I don't need to wrestle you in a mask. I can just do a one-off appearance, wrestle you. And that'll be it. And uh, he's like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll pitch it to Dave, uh, who's the owner of CPW and now CLW. And... I got a message from him going, so we're not going to do, we're not going to do you versus Bobby, we're going to do Bob, Big Bob versus Bobby, but how would you like to work without a mask for us? And I was like, okay. Um, he's like, but I don't want you just to be a generic wrestler. Uh, can you come up with a character? I was like, okay. So I started, like, no one was, no one, this was before anyone did it, and I'd like, before everyone suddenly became a king of something, uh, I did, I did, an, I tried out in trainer uh, training. I was like, I'm the king of cruisers, and uh, no, sorry, I was the prince of cruisers. I wanted to be the prince of cruisers because I'm too, I'm not old enough to be a king. And it, uh, PBW had their king of cruisers match, so it was like a funny play on theirs. And then it kind of just quickly evolved into the real King of Scotland. And, like, the real part is me just kind of doing copy and Mark Coffey when he used to say he was the real ICW champion. Like, he was right going, I'm the real. I was like, yeah, I'm the real King of Scotland. So I bought the crown. I got the cape. Um, Jonathan Richards was my butler Hargrave for the day. Like, full-blown butler. Uh, and then I just... I, I did it and miraculously the crowd got really into it like the crowd really hated it and it was so suddenly wasn't getting reactions like and I was like okay I'll try this other places um pitched it to pitched it to the, the guy who ran in uh, source at the time he says he said Come back to me. I want to see. I want to see more of it first before I make any decisions. Uh, Bobby was running a show down here, I and he asked me to be on it. I went, "Can I do the king?" And he went, "Sure, cool." And then Jam O'Malley, who was running Reckless, had heard wind of it and wanted to book it for a show. And that just kind of it kind of spitballed, and that's just how I kind of appeared everywhere, like, and that's just kind of came from because it was just a case of. It was meant to be a one-off thing that became what I do. <laughs> uh, I mean, the bonus is double the pity. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like the, the amount of t- uh, I think the first time I didn't do double duty as King Anselor was probably for Bobby's first show. Um, before it was respect, I did a I wrestled Ryan Griffin in the opening match, and probably I'll probably one of the funnest matches ever because they cut me off before I finished my promo. 
I was the other thing as well. I needed, like, the king kind of gave me a direction for my promos. So I kind of had an idea of how I wanted to present it. I wanted to be very smug, arrogant. I wanted to be condescending. Like, I had this thing where I was calling people peasants. I came up with this line as well that I liked. Um, and it's a parody for, it's a parody from Game of Thrones, which, spoiler alerts, the king was a rip-off of Joffrey. Um, they, they say a line describing Joffrey where there's no cure for being a, I wanted to go, I, I changed the line and started saying there was no cure for being a peasant. Because it, I'll get you booed. <laughs> I, I was like, there's no cure for being a peasant. And it just, I, I kind of liked it. And I was like, everyone's a peasant before the king. And then it just, it used to, it just, I just kind of carried stuff with there. I mean, it, it, it was fairly successful because you were, you're a CPW Highland champ, regional champion uh, for a while. Um, and I think you were the last. The last yes. one before the close. I, I wrestled Eric Arkham in a 30 minute Ironman match for it. And we destroyed the belt. It, it was going to be the last match for the belt anyway. Like, it was going to be retired, but we literally destroyed the belt in the match. Uh, but CPW is, again, it was Case Knight Pro, because I haven't really established that. But it's Case Knight Pro Wrestling. And uh, it, it, it's that same thing, I'm assuming, as Arkham. Once you go in there, it's uh, just a whole other world of weird and. and wondrous characters yeah. and uh, they don't see anywhere else. Uh, I mean, I think Bobby used some of them and then that was that was it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's one of those places that are just up for wrestling as well because they get four shows a year. Yeah, Maybe like four. Once if W3L come up, so five. Max. Yeah. And um, like the last thing W3L went, like, like, so there was a bit of animosity between the two, the two companies and to be amicable and set it, Mike invited us along to one of his sh- to the show there to kind of just kind of put uh, down any any misdeeds and all that stuff between the two sides. Um, and we went along, and it was it was it was a I mean, it was W3L. It wasn't wrong, or bad or anything. It's just it was a shame it, was, it didn't really draw. Like I think there was like thirteen people there. We were and in, not including us. Any like. There was five of us there who didn't pay because it was a goodwill gesture, and I felt really bad. Because, <laughs> but like it was, there was nothing wrong with it at all. It was just, it was just like, like CPW clearly had that, like a fan base, mm-hmm. and it was like, it was just a shame. Like Mike, unfortunately, ran. I think like Mike ran the Friday before the Saturday. And it was just unfortunate that it wasn't like it didn't draw. Like it probably it might have drawn in the past, it might have not. I don't know, but it was just unfortunate it didn't. I think the the Saturday or the Sunday usually end up being like Dingwall and then Elgin. So I would see, yeah. I would obviously I would see the Elgin one because it's literally there, like five minutes <laughs> that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's a ten minute walk, pretty much, to the Bishop Mill Hall. Um, which, I mean, they always do pretty well in Elgin, but Elgin gets nothing. We get one show a year. That is it. That, that is our one. If we're going to wrestling outside of that, it's an hour to Inverness or an hour and a half to Aberdeen uh, if you want to get wrestling. Uh, even yeah. Inverness is once a year at SWA. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, we're quite starved here. Uh, I would like I, I would like nothing more than more wrestling up here. UPW ran Bucky a couple of times. So I was like, that, that's close. That's why. And then they closed. I'm like, ah, oh, for... It's one more wrestling. I don't want to travel. Just give me wrestling. Uh, Take my doorstep. <laughs> I uh, I wrestled for UPW once before they they shut 
Like we were meant, uh, we were meant to be their inaugural tag champs. Me and Lucha. Oh, yeah, I mind Lucha doing a few shows. Was it like I'm assuming it would be Mintlaw, Peter Head, or something like that, or did you do Rocks and Aberdeen? Which show had Joey Ryan on it? Oh God, uh, it's uh, Rocks Hotel. Yeah, that was the one we did because we <laughs> we wrestled Stallion and Mackey. We wrestled them before, and like I feel I feel dirty saying Joey Ryan now because everyone's came out with him, but like yeah, that was the bit I remember. We we wrestled like this. We I think we were the second match, but he also had like Dave Master versus Bram, and brilliant match, which was hilarious because like Dave Master was like ill, like ill ill, and he was just like I don't I don't I'm so, like he he knocked a bit off his wage for the promoter as well because he went oh, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not in any fit sh- shape to do this match so I apologise going to knock a bit off my wage because I don't think I'm going to give you the performance. They went nearly 30 minutes. And I'm like, I'm like please tell me you're still paying him his full wage. Went, oh, I definitely. <laughs> um, oh, God. I, I'll still never understand. Uh, I don't think I'll ever get I'll, I'll ever get the promoter on because um, he seems to have stepped away entirely from wrestling. Um, I'll never understand booking Joey Ryan for a family show. But that's, that's just me. That's just on me. <laughs> uh, that show, uh, his opening, opening line... Uh, before we do anything, I want you to touch my a family literally got and left. <laughs> and you're like, well, what did you expect? Like, <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, that one didn't go on the on their YouTube channel before it all closed down. They wiped it. <laughs> So I never got never got to see it. I saw Mastiff Bram. Um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't enjoy it, but I think it was because I don't. It seemed to be the crowd had decided who the face was going to be in the match. However, the guys in the ring didn't. So yeah, they were like, cheering, cheering Bram, and Bram was like giving them the finger and telling them to piss off and all that kind of stuff. And and Mastiff was doing the same. So they're because he was massive. Uh, Dave Mastiff was racked to the crowd. Because he's the bad guy, but yeah. Bram's like, no, I'm the bad guy in this match. You have to boo me. Everyone's cheering him, and it's just—it's a very confusing atmosphere for half an yeah. hour. <laughs> I remember but, enjoying it though. Like I remember enjoying it. I think this is a good match. It's just a shame they don't get it. <laughs> oh, they lathered each other. It was, it, we, for what it was, it was great. But yeah, for, for, if you watched it on mute, it was fantastic. It was just <laughs> the confusion of the crowd that with everyone else. I was like. Right, I'm getting so confused now. Who's, who's a good guy? Oh, <laughs> I'm going to steal that line for the next time I have to do uh, a review of a match that I don't like. If you watch the mute, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> if, you have, if, if the picture was gone as well, it'd be even better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, as soon as you became uh, Robert Wishart, uh, the singles titles... Well, you two of them. Uh, Kate came into to fruition. You got CPW one, and then of course, just before, uh, just before shows ended, I read about in twenty nineteen, you became a Respect Pro heavyweight champion as well. Yep. Uh, I think the previous champion before you was Joe Hendry. So like it was, it was yourself, Joe Hendry, Lewis Garvin, and I want to say ADM, but I'm probably yep. wrong. Was no, it? you're right. Yeah. Good. Hey, here we go. Uh, I don't even write that down. Um, so again, that's. I mean, I suppose he had a little bit of an end because, of course, you know Bobby Roberts. But uh, was was he kind of just going right? I love this character. You've proven that you can you can 
carry it, this my title, uh, his title, um, or what was the conversation going into becoming Respect Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Champion? So I wasn't meant to win it. Okay. So uh, what had happened was, um, like the month prior, we were, we were told to the card, like, right guys, this is the main event, this is what we're doing, it's, it's going to be a fatal four-way, um, Lewis, you're gonna win. You're gonna be. You're gonna get the title for the third time. Record break it. All that jazz. Uh, can I get a promo for everyone? Cool. No worries. And Lewis didn't do one. He just straight up didn't do one. Uh, Joe Henry. Uh, Joe Henry messaged uh, Bobby privately and said he wouldn't have time to do it because he was just go. He was. I think he was just leaving for ROH and like one of the tours. So he's like, I will have no time to do this. I'm really sorry. I apologize. Because obviously Joe was the champion going in. Uh, ADM did a promo as usual, and now I'm not like as I said before, I'm not really a promo guy. Uh, like I hate doing promos for matches unless it's in the ring where I can talk. But when it comes to unless, but when it comes to like filming a promos for a show and stuff, I find it really hard to do unless I've got a reason to talk. Um. My partner Tony uh, was pre- is pre- was pregnant at the time, and we hadn't made it really official yet. Like pe- some people knew, but not everyone knew. And it just so happened that the Scott Tomlinson, who was Sean Walker, he now, he now does, who's is now no longer an active performer, he happened to have a night free to film it with me. And I was just like, I've got something I want to say. We're just going to film it, like like literally beside the Clyde. Let me know what you think of this as we do it. Did it in two takes. Like we filmed, we did one take that he liked, and we did a second one that we both liked. And I sent it to Bobby. Went, Here's my promo. Let me know what you think of it. Uh, he replied back with, "Mate, I absolutely effing loved that. Like that was that was amazing. Like I'm actually changing the booking. You're you're getting the title because of that." I'm like. Uh, okay, <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't expect, I didn't expect it. I just like, no, I've got, I need to do a big. I wanted, to, I just wanted a reason to, to kind of ex- express how happy I was. I had that I was going to be a dad, and it just, it better, it just worked out well for me. It just, Bobby loved it. Um, Joe Henry, Joe Henry, who's a renowned talker, came up to me and mate, that was an excellent promo. And shook my hand, which, which to me is a big compliment when someone who's that good at talking. Acknowledges how good a promo is, um, and then yeah, that just that's just kind of how it was. Like I just did something that I was really passionate about, and it just happened to work out well for me. And I walked away with the, uh, I walked away as Respect Pro Champ, which uh, I still thank Bobby for because it's like like to be put as someone's champion, it means you're the face of their company, it means they trust you to carry the, yourself a certain way. And like, not that I've never worked main events and stuff like that before, but like, being trusted to carry someone's championship and be that standard bearer is just, it's, it's a big deal. So it was a big deal, I mean, like, it, it may, the fact that uh, Tony, my partner, was there as well, and we got in the ring and celebrated. It's like a photo we have on our wall is me holding the championship and her being right beside me with a, with a smile. It just it fills it fills me with it fills me with a wee gleeful moment of happiness. Just hanging about it. Uh, and then 
when to, I think I've got my timelines right. 2020 started and you announced that Robbie Solar was at the end of that year. That was yes. it. So the like I'd, because I was getting more work with uh, without the mask. I just was kind of starting like when I was doing it, I wasn't enjoying it much, and, I, and because I wasn't enjoying it much, I felt like I wasn't giving it my all, which I didn't think was fair to anyone that booked it. Like if I wasn't committing myself to it, then there's no point in me turning up and doing it, which isn't fair to someone when you're paying for something. Uh, so I just I I spoke to a few people. Like um, there's a few people I owe dates for because also. Well, the world's shut off and shows cancelled and stuff. Uh, I'm going to honour those dates, uh, perform a solo, and that will just be it. And then, who knows? Maybe in a few years' time, I may bring it back. But it's not like I'm not. It's just going away. It's not retired. I, I, do I say retired because that like I'm a, fu a fussy way. I'm fussy that way. I like maybe go. Oh, maybe I could take one more run as solo, uh, but. Right now, right now, once I've done those couple of dates, that'll be it. So it's like the sun setting on solar and it made her yeah. eyes again. Uh, yeah. Poetically. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much just right up to date for your wrestling career uh, kind of thing. Because um, then the world ended. As you said, uh, March being the last time, you'd lost the title to ADM, uh, the Respect Pro Championship, and you'd around about that time found out you were going to be a father. World ended. What? How did you keep yourself occupied? I mean, it, pretty much, it, your son was born pretty soon into the lockdown, so it was that probably yeah. your your occupy your your occupy. Yeah, pretty much. That's a word. But uh, yeah. So how how did how did you react to no longer having the wrestling side available? And uh, what did did you throw yourself into anything else, or was it just all into fatherhood? Uh, fatherhood and video games. Like, I get really into video games. Um, I'm a massive, massive Mortal Kombat fan. Like, played the first Mortal Kombat game when I was three, which is probably not something I should admit. But <laughs> but cousins who cousins who rented it for them and then let me play it and was confused why I was pure loving, like, people getting their heads uppercutted off and stuff. But uh, I got really... I just really get back to video games. Um, play it, like... I spent a lot more time because I was I also get put on furlough for my day job, so uh, I spent more time with my partner, which was good. Uh, and then obviously once Robbie was born, it's just been occupied play, uh, looking after him because he's a menace to society, as is every child. Uh, and of course, during all that, uh, we'll go into whole details how you got to that point but uh, yeah ended up being one of the, the co-owners owners of Source Wrestling yes so, so uh, 10 years from when you started and here you now run the place yeah how, I, I mean like I said we'll go into how it ended up getting there but like at the same time how did you end up uh, taking over so without going into much detail previous owner um decided to remove himself from Source, uh, asked who would like to take over. Uh, myself and David Devlin uh, both put our names forward and it was agreed amicably between the two of us that we would uh, take, o take over separate parts. So publicly stated right here, right now, I am the booker of Source, so I run the company. I run the 
wrestling promotion itself. David Ellen is the head trainer, so he runs the school and all that side of it. I still do. T- I still take classes and stuff, but at the end of the day, he's in charge. Um, when it comes to booking and stuff, I discuss certain things with him, but he doesn't really need to know every detail that I run. Um, and then we have, if there's anything we come across that we can't decide or agree upon, we have a tiebreaker vote and Glenda Marr, who's our more, who's our, who both, who trained both, helped train both of us, but is also like one of our closest uh, friends. So, so yeah, that's like, probably it's, it's like a committee now, kind of thing. Yeah, like a little bit. Like we have, we all, we like so, like a board, board of a board member. Like we're board members, basically. Like um, we all have our own separate things we're in charge of. But at the end of the day, ever we still discuss everything quite openly. Um, like anything that we feel is an issue that needs to be addressed that could affect shows and the school we talk about or even if it's just something that could affect the school or something that could affect the shows we discuss about it we talk about it and just keep communication very open like but um, yeah this is I'm now a, a booker at 26 I think I'm probably one of the young, I think I am actually the youngest booker in the country um, I mean it's, it's, it's a bit of a weird world because you, you, you're the booker but there's no shows to book right now so it's it's very yeah. Very strange. You don't you don't know how you're gonna get into it until you actually start it. But is there um is there anyone that's kind of caught your eye maybe within source or outside source that you thought maybe never didn't get uh as many opportunities that you'd want to kind of you don't have to name names specifically, but is there anyone that, that like so I've definitely thought about certain people I'd like to bring in. Um like there's 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 talent that uh, outside uh, from outside like the country as well I'd like bringing like I've been very open about my um, admiration of Dean Allmark I would I'm in the process of trying to work out when I could possibly bring him in for a show because um, I would love to have Dean Allmark because although it's probably going to be really hard because everyone still remembers how incredible he is it's going to be one of those ones that you pay an arm and a leg for but um like one of the things, so one of the things uh, Source is planning on doing is introducing uh, some more championships. Uh, also, we have our Source Wrestling Championship currently held by Grant McIver. Um, once shows are active again, we'll recontinue the tagged tournament that uh, was started before lockdown. Um, there may be, we may restart the whole tournament altogether just to kind of get done. And then there's, we are currently in the process of bringing a Another championship in that I I haven't I don't want to kind of give away the details of just yet, but it's something I'm very very looking forward to bringing in. Um, so definitely, there's plans in motion then. Um, yeah. Hopefully, once once I'm, I'm kind of hoping once shows start getting it properly confirmed and it actually happening, um, that I'm hoping to grab folk like yourself, like like, uh, like just just to preview shows. So hopefully, uh, oh, there'll be some details then, and we can we can them out and you can, you can tell us all about it oh absolutely uh, um, right yeah sorry sorry any more pla- I kind of um, half cut off your question my, my own question there but uh, yeah so anyone else so like um, like one of the things we're going to be focusing more is on um, so one of the things that Source tend to do that pits it as apart from 
Uh, other companies is we're very open to intergender wrestling. Uh, so it's going to that's also going to be continuing. Uh, we're going to keep the idea of you're not a man or a woman, you're a professional wrestler. We're going to continue that um, because we feel, I don't, I don't know you, but I personally feel that some of the best wrestlers in the world are are just happen to be female. I personally think Asuka is the, one of the best wrestlers in the world, regardless of gender. And I feel like she could beat most men quite believably. So we want to kind of continue that idea at Source. It was brought in previously. Um, I can confirm the first two Source shows will be back-to-back for a, a Source resurgence weekender, as it's affectionately known. Um, with Night One's main event being a a fatal foray to crown a number one contender who will challenge Grant McIver the following night. Uh, I will re- I will reveal the details of the dates later, but that's um, that's already on the plans. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm quite excited for what I'm I've got concocting because uh, it's a side of wrestling I thought I'd probably do anyway when I got older, but I didn't think I'd quite get to do it this young, and I'm quite excited. So. Plans are already very much in motion. I failed to, to pick the brains of like a, like a demo because, uh, of course, he, he would be the guy who was in charge of when you started. Um, so um, I've been able to kind of pick brains of other promoters going, or Bobby, actually, Bobby as well, uh, yeah. for some ideas and, and tips on how to So I, like, I've been lucky to speak to uh, Bobby. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but Bobby has sold, of, I think, of, I think it's like 29 shows he's done. He's sold out 28. So like he, he he can do like he, like he knows what he's doing or something like that. He does know what he's doing when it comes to promotion. Uh, I've been lucky enough to talk to him. Uh, I've been lucky enough to talk to WrestleZone guys about how they run shows as well. Um, I've just kind of picked the brains of some people that I know. Um, some people don't know this, but Brody Adler uh, has a de- has a degree in business uh, event management, so she's been more than happy to help discuss things with me. Uh, but. Yeah, I've been I've, I've been lucky that I've made friends have made friends who are willing to discuss how they run them. Everyone's got their own different ways. I've noticed, and I just need to find what exactly style will work for me. But again, like about like wrestling itself, but I'm very I'm very aware that it's not going to be easy. <laughs> um, do you think if you're? I mean, it wouldn't have happened because you would have been too young. But do you think if nineteen year old you? was in that position getting the pen uh to pencil whatever you want to call it um do you think maybe at that point you would have been like right we're booking the biggest guys in i'm facing them and i'm gonna show how i'm good am absolutely <laughs> john's aggression get him back where we'll be i'll be wrestling him again <laughs> uh, two or three falls this time two or three falls <laughs> like so that's that's one thing i'm very aware of like so pre- the previous owner source had this thing where he would book himself on a show if it, if he felt it could help draw. And some promoters have it as well, like Bobby Roberts tends to book himself on his shows. And some people tend to make sly comments about a promoter booking himself. But as Bobby's area, he tends to run, tends to be a lot of people he's familiar with, he, he knows, it does make sense because it helps increase the interest. For me, I've I've kind of looked at I'm kind of looking at it of like I'd rather not have myself appear on a show if I can avoid it. But I'm certainly not going to pretend there isn't a situation where 
maybe if I went in with someone who's on like their second match, they wouldn't maybe they would maybe learn a thing or two about how to work with a crowd. So and like that same logic is going to be like towards uh, imports. We'll just call them what they are imports. So like as I says, I really want to bring in Dean Allmark. And as much as I would love to wrestle him myself and book that match, I'm very aware of how that would look. Even if I, even if I could honestly say I think it'd probably be a, a great match, I feel like he could, somebody else could learn a lot more from him, given that opportunity. And that's what I'm very aware of. Like that being said, if I brought them in for like a series of shows, there's a possibility I may wrestle them on one of them. But I'd like to avoid that if I could. Oh yeah, I mean, I suppose with, with the Bobby Roberts uh, equation, <laughs> it's if you sold out 28, 29 shows and he's been on the marquee each time then yeah like it's uh, makes sense like locally bobby roberts realistically it's the dusty roads mentality like dusty roads was dusty roads happened to book himself a lot in higher positions but he drew so what's the issue like it's making money what's the problem and that's the thing i've kind of had to learn as well like if it makes money do it like Absolutely. I mean, you see, I mean, obviously there's no shows now, but um, you would see shows where the, the, the owner or the powers that be are put in the top spots, but there's no crowd. So what's the point? It's just more, uh, it's more uh, massaging egos, I suppose. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's, let's pick this up. We'll go to the fan questions and then we'll, we'll see if we've got anything else to discuss. Cause I'm, I'm very aware that I'm keeping it just under two hours now. Um, oh, I don't. I don't mean. It sounds stupid. I don't mind if I do a two-parter like you did with Big Benny. I'm more than happy with that. <laughs> oh God, I, I don't know if you listened to the, the second part of Big Benny's, but it's it spun off very quickly. <laughs> it, it, it stopped being a wrestling show very, very, very quickly into it uh, as he was doing his own ASMR with uh, ice cream and oh, it's just. That's why. That's why I was happy to do it as a second episode, put it as explicit because I thought I've done all the wrestling stuff in the first one. The second one, I'll just let him Benny be Benny, and uh, well, in my word, he's a man. It, it, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so, Glenn DeBar, he's asked a question, which uh, I'm not going to do the Arnie impression that goes with it because nobody needs to hear it. Uh, but who is your daddy, and what does he do? Like, I, is that maybe a reference or something? Because I, I, I never got it. And my first thought was, like, is he talking about him? Because everyone calls Dunbar the wrestle dad, or? <laughs> well, I read it as a kindergarten cop reference. Who's your daddy uh, and what does he do? Right. There's an Arnie impression. But yeah. It's awful. Uh, so, like, so oh God, it's been ages since I've seen kindergarten cop. Like, I'd never, I'd never seen it before. Then Tony made me watch it, like, three oh, times in a row. And then I just... It's actually such a good film. I'm annoyed I've never seen it before. It's an ITV2 special. It always, it always seems to be on. <laughs> but uh, that and... Uh, that and the Harry Potter films. That and the Harry Potter films. <laughs> or The Mummy. The Mummy uh, used to be quite... The, the, the good one used to be on uh, quite a lot. <laughs> so we've got Dale and Hendry. Which Super Saiyan transformation is the most effective? None of them. They're like... Oh god, I hate like he had to ask the one anime question that infuriates me. So the problem with the Super Saiyan formula is for the Super Saiyan formula to work, you have to be angry enough. But ha half the Saiyan characters are morons and like don't get angry. Like 
it, like the initial Super Saiyan transformation takes Goku witnessing the the death of Krillin for the ninth millionth time to be angry enough to transform. Like, no, and then the second one, the second the second Super Saiyan form is basically pointless. It's the gain electricity around them and lose their eyebrows, and then the third one, the third one annoys me the most because. Goku transforms Super Saiyan 3, could literally destroy the main villain and chooses not to because he's like, oh, it's time for my son to shine. No, it's not. You could have saved this whole escapade if you just done the right thing and beat him there and then. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> I've never seen Dragon Ball, so this is all just foreign to me. <laughs> so oh, <God. laughs> but, uh, um, so <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word for it for, with all that. Uh, so I've got Lucha DS. What currency do they use in Orkney? I Were you on you. the case that shows up in Orkney? I'm guessing. Right. I'll explain the story of this. So, like, the second time... I'm sure it was the second time Lucha came up with us. We go to Orkney to do a show. And for some strange reason, he goes full child and just becomes a pure toddler having the best time of his life. So we're on the boat travelling to Orkney and he keeps screaming that he's going to or he's going to reclaim Orkney for the mainland. For, for, for no reason. He's just like, as he... As he as he, as he gets off the boat, he screams at the top of his lungs, I have come to reclaim Orkney in the, in the proud name of the mainland. <laughs> we're like, so, so like, from where we're staying, like, the main town of Orkney, from the, the boat, is like, had half an hour bus journey. So we're on the bus, and he's just continually shouting this. He's not drunk yet, by the way, he's just being mad. He's just being lucha the S. We get, we get to, we get to the campsite we're staying at, and we've got like, these bungalows things we're staying in he goes like oh we'll go get some we'll go get some beers and stuff for the for tonight right cool so we walk into a tesco he walks up to the front counter he finds to someone who's middle of middle of serving someone goes excuse me pal do you accept sterling here what and he went i like money real money scottish money and the guy goes well i obviously ah, don't worry about me i'll pay by card anyway and just walks away Oh God, I'm cringing at the thought of that whole interaction, and I, I, I didn't even witness it. I like, oh, and he's he's just doing this, and I'm sitting left left there and going, I hate this guy, I hate him so much. I like, we then we go out in the town, have a bunch of drinks, because because we're one of the one of the boys for CPW is from Morton Ridge, like uh, Lad Chapman. We're out with him and a few of his pals, and because we're meant to be like the big shot wrestlers, as his family have painted us, for some strange reason, we're, we're not paying for a single thing. Like we're getting booze just plied into us. So we go, we we go back to the campsite at the end of the night. Which, by the way, I didn't know in Orkney at the end of the night in a proper rock golf bar, uh, they played Dashing White Sergeant, and, and everyone had. Everyone has to do like the proper dash and white sergeant, and I'm sitting trying to drink my drink while trying to do a dash and white sergeant because it was like you do this and then you leave. We go to a kebab shop where it was twenty quid for it was like nearly twenty quid for just one meal between me and him, like and it was it was ridiculous. And then we get back to the campsite, and he just goes, "Do you think they would mind if I just started like started a fire?" I'm like. Would you mean there's like there's there's no fire pits here? Like, would you mean start fire? I got no like like look at that bush. 
you trust that when you go up really nicely if we just start the fire for the night? And I'm like, Lucha, go to bed. Go to bed. And we are sharing a bungalow with uh, Scott McManus and his partner, Mariam again, and like Lucha boots the door open and they're like sleeping in the living room of this bungalow thing. And like, he just boots the door open and just Disney care. And the next morning I'm like, I hate you. I hate you with so much fiber in my being. <laughs> well, I've that whole story took a turn that I didn't think would <laughs> uh, like he's he's just a madman. Like, Asla, is this why you is this why your message said to me if whatever he says, just ignore it? And I'm like, this makes so much sense. <laughs> um, right, we'll we'll, we'll take a, a right turn there uh, we've got Jonathan Richards uh, he's, asked, he's asked uh, in your Avengers lineup, who'd win a fight between Kate Bishop and Black Widow I'm going to assume this is about the Avengers like that Marvel's Avengers game that was released because I have it oh, so they, okay. does he and we both play it like we play it together like online um, I'm going to say my, my Black Widow would absolutely destroy my Kate Bishop because like my Black Widow is so OP compared to the rest of my characters it's unreal so it's definitely Black Widow. I keep I keep seeing it. I think I'm just gonna wait until it's like a proper rock bottom sale before picking it up because I'm now oh. I'm out to Fortnite, unfortunately. So it's I I like I I've been in Bobby Roberts' house watching his his daughter play and it just blows my mind. I'm like she she's like a proper like professional level gamer playing it. And I'm like, what's the concept of this game again? What's meant to happen? <laughs> Why are you building things? Oh god, the building! Don't get me started on that. It's, I don't. I don't understand how. I've got. I've got it as far as I can open up the pad. How to build things, but I don't know how to actually build things. Um, so now I'm just in a group of folk where I'm just getting shot at constantly because uh, somehow I've been I've wangled my way into to like the WrestleZone group of, of wrestlers, and I think I think they've just got me about because they know they'll win. Because uh, I'm just getting shot at, and then. I sit and watch everyone else. But uh, yeah, I don't know how to build things and they're all just like the big scaffolds and everything. I'm just like... Yeah, like, people that go way too much detail about it. You're like, this is, just, this is just a game. What? I know, I'm sitting there just going, oh my God, I hope one of them stays still long enough and I can kill them. Um, that's going to be an awful bit to, to clip out of context. Uh, right, okay, so we've got Lucas Craig, uh, of course, up from Case Ness. He's asked, who is your favourite Muppet? The, the old men in the balcony. Oh, kings of sarcasm, so they are. Uh, Waldorf and uh, Statler, is it? Yes. Oh, love it. My favourite line is from the Muppet Treasure Island. It's uh, like Kermit and Miss Piggy almost like perish, fall to their death. And like they two are maybe like the statues at the end of a boat and they catch and they go, we've saved the prince and the frog. Well, it was too late to save the movie. <laughs> it's, it's stuff like that. It's so cheesy. I love it. <laughs> Uh, we've got Stone Malone asking, what's your favourite McFlurry? Raspberry Flake McFlurry. Oh, love it. Oh, never never heard of it. must not be up here. It doesn't come up oh, here. Oh, it's it's, amazing. It is. Um, like, you, if, the way the sauce works, if you actually mix it with the ice cream, the ice cream you get actual raspberry ice cream. That, that could be a very terrible Freudian slip that, that you almost made there. Uh, <laughs> uh, for God. We've got so many questions in. I'm just amazed. Uh, although Falcon, I don't know if he got the concept of, of social media because he started answering them. But my notifications started going mad going, 
Falcon uh, has replied to you, like, why? Uh, he's answered another one. He's answered another one. Like, I've been asking you these questions, what's happening? <laughs> but because uh, he was tagged in it, it just went, yeah. Uh, right, where, where are we? Right, I'll leave like the big batch ones towards the end. So we'll see who else has got single questions. Uh, we've got, uh, God, how can I read that name? Deuce Blackheart. Uh, what is your favourite spot to remove? Oh, I, I love a good brain buster. Oh, I like, I love a really good brain. I don't know if you know recently, but I started using it before the world went uh, into lockdown. I started using a brain buster to finish matches and I love it. I do, I do like a good brain buster. When done, when you can watch it back and go, that was totally safe. But at the time when you watched it in full motion, it looked like it was horrific. That's the yeah. sweet spot. I am. Um... In terms of spot, I love a spot that's really clever. Is that like I sounds really stupid, but I like things that like you almost don't things that catch you off guard, but you go, Oh, that's really clever. So the, the one I'm gonna use is um so for a KFNS match it was John Trenton and Taylor Vite. Uh John Trenton, very kicky, Taylor Vite, very technical, very tactical. He is the tactician after all. They do the match. There's a spot on the outside where John Trenton goes for a head kick, and he duck and Taylor Ducks kicks the king kicks the ring post. Probably seen it eight million times. John rolls back in, holds his leg as Taylor comes back in. He catches John catches him with a leg, the head kick that he went for with the foot that's hot the ring post, and instead of pinning him for the finish, he spends the entire time rolling on the ground holding his his leg because he kicked with the leg. He just booted off a ring post it's like that's really clever it was like a good way for John to get over how painful it was like and it's just it's stuff like that, that really make, I really like like I love William Regal for like the joint manipulation like the Cassius Ono match they did where Regal snaps his finger so he couldn't hook his submission in I really love stuff like that like so, yeah, subtleties. I think when, when yeah. you, the older you get, the more you appreciate. Uh, I'm just really see it was dark here. Um, the subtleties of wrestling really like that's yeah. why I, I consider like Randy Orton one of my one of the absolute best because he just gets subtleties. Yes, uh, he does. He I, can do absolutely nothing in a match, but everything. Yeah, I I love Randy when he's in with like someone that used to be like an indie darling because. He just slows everything down. Like he, he's just everything he does is so simple but so effective. And he just like he just lets them do their eight million things. Whereas he just does like for for like them hitting like eight moves in a row, he'll hit a power slam and get a bigger reaction. And I just love it. Oh. I, I still uh, Radio Orton. I mean, for for myself, it just it still blows my mind when I saw him in Aberdeen. Every, he, was, he was he was part of the White family at the time, so he's like supposed to be the heel. Uh, yeah. But everyone was just buzzing to see him because it's the first time WWE been Dabney in years, and uh, yeah. they were just like buzzing. And I think Orin knew. I was like way up in the back, but I could tell that he was just he had this smug face on right. uh, because all he did was he tagged in, crowd went absolutely mental. He turned, he did one turn, and tagged out. That was Probably. it. The only other thing he did in the match, he's in Arceo at the end, which made the place go absolutely ballistic. That was, he did one move in a whole match, and it was the best thing in the whole match. It's ridiculous. 
I think it was against uh, Kane and American Alpha. So, I mean, the rest of it was good, but Orton just did, like, one thing, and that was it. Best oh, thing yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, but Dean Ford, how good are your water bottle throwing techers? So there's a story behind this one as well. So I did a Keith Ness Rumble. Uh, it, was, it, was the, it was the show before... I, it, was, it was the last show I did as the king before I became the best you'd ever seen for them uh, so we're doing a rumble and uh, like I've been in his solar I've been I'm out I'm backstage I'm changed and my music plays for the king uh, and I walk out and like there's chaos and mentalness going in the ring and I've got a bottle of water because that was my thing for a while I was just I had a bottle of water with me and I, I don't remember why I just had it I think because I wanted to be Triple H um, and Luchi BS is back to me at the entranceway. So my first logic was to throw the bottle to get my turn round so I could hit him. But as I throw it, he turns round. <laughs> and it's like square in his eye. Like, boom, hit him in the eye. Down he goes. And I'm in the ring. And I'm like, are you okay? And under his mouth, he's going, Whoa! I hit him with that, and then I, 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 let, I, let, him, I let, let him roll, let him heal and see if he's not blind. I do something with Glendon Barr, turn around, and Lucha is charging at me because he's raging. I've just knocked him. Oh, yeah. Properly got him square in the eye as well. I got a fan that messaged me that night and goes, mate, when you hot Lucha the S in the eye with a bottle, I just burst out laughing. Sorry. <laughs> Was that was that the same? Tri- oh, would it be dark? Mate? I was going to say was that the same trip? Uh, was that was the revenge. <laughs> so, oh, that's that's for just being an absolute pain in the arse. Just <laughs> bottle to the face. Oh, that's just that's just me. Just poor. It was just oh, I couldn't. I like if I'd meant it, I wouldn't have done it. But do you know what I mean? It was just as I threw it, I just saw it going towards him, and I'm like, oh, poor Lucha. <laughs> uh, your partner, Tony has got a couple of questions in. Um, I'll, I'll go back to front of them because I think the, the first question needs to be asked last. Uh, why is Street Fighter better than Mortal Kombat? The real question for Tony should be going, why did Callum break up with me? <laughs> <laughs> um, so my... So Mortal Kombat is not better than Street Fighter. Street Fighter is not better than Mortal Kombat. They both offer different things and this is me going in a pure techie geek mode. Mortal Kombat is more adult themed obviously it's more it's more violent more graphical it has tends to have a better story where the street fighter tends to have a better online competitive scene and is more cartoony like like obviously like if you want but as close as real realism as you can get with martial arts is probably taking but even then they have like giant bears and stuff so like I, i i'm like fighting games are my thing like so i go into a lot of details like Mortal Kombat is my game, but I can play Street Fighter, I can play Tekken. I'm okay at Soul Calibur, I, I don't really like it too much, but like the big three, I'm pretty good at. So, like, I've, I've played a few Mortal Kombat tournaments and stuff. Uh, she's also asked, uh, why does why do you never put the toilet seat back down after peeing? Because I know it annoys her, and I will never not annoy her with it. I... I may have uh, started something that I, I don't think I'll continue for my own safety but it happened once uh, and my wife said the same thing 
why don't you put it down? I went, well, you're a strong, independent woman. You don't need no man. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, that's the first and last time I'm going to use that because I got, I got a, the, there was a face that I've not oh. seen. I don't want to see again. <laughs> um, I think every, like, every person, every girl in a relationship has that face that they use on their partner that just sends a shiver down their partner's spine and like, okay, I'll stop now. Tony has one for me. Tony has one for me, and it terrifies me when she does it. But no, it's it's the first and last time I, I hope to ever see that particular face because <laughs> they're just like, okay, I'll remember the future. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> no words were spoken. Um, we've got Taylor Wright. You mentioned Taylor Wright already. I think this is in response to a question that you asked him, possibly. But the first one is why the love for Cody's neck tattoo. I, 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 so we were talking about like, right, what, like Taylor and I, like, were randomly talking with it about weird wrestling tattoos, and he went on this rant about how much he hates Cody's neck tattoo. And I'm just like, I actually kind of like it. And he's like, what? Why? It's, it's awful. It's, and I'm like, I guess why I like it because it's just, it's so awful that I like it. Because who in their right mind gets like their logo tattooed there? No one, but I love it. It's stupid. It shouldn't be great, but it is. I think when I spoke to him, because of course he'll be the episode a couple before this, but we were in agreement where it would look okay if it was part of a bigger piece or a sleeve or yeah, it wasn't just that. Yeah, like he, he's like, it's such branding. And I'm like, as it's, it's his brand, he's put a brand on his neck for no reason, but I, I love it. Like, it's the same way, because like, we were talking about like randomly weird tattoos that like, why, why is it like Batista's weird belly button tattoo like the weird sun round his belly button i'm like i weirdly like it but i don't know why you would ever say to someone you get it yeah um i think cody's just missing a mullet now i think that would just complete the whole look or at least uh, uh, although he is going very homelander at the moment um yeah you know, watching the boys i'm hoping that's the point and it's not just him watching the boys going this homelander has a lot of good ideas and uh, <laughs> Have you seriously just implied that Cody Rhodes is trying to become a real life homelander? I'm just saying, don't don't trust him if he goes to the top of Daly's place. Uh, <laughs> I see the end of Homelander season two. I don't think we need to see that. <laughs> yeah, Co- Cody equals Homelander. That's what I'm saying. Hashtag Cody equals Homelander. <laughs> Well, the fact that he, I mean, I, I will get into it because it's their own choice, but the fact that they called their child Liberty just sent a cringe shiver down my spine. It's just, oh. I, I, I think the one time I've ever hated a child's name is I someone named their child Chardonnay. And I'm like, why would you name a child that? Like, are you trying to make sure she's a scheme mum? Like, what? Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that. Like, uh, what was what's that one that, that got mocked very? It was like L A comma S H no L A comma A, and it's Ladasha, which annoyed me for two reasons. One, it's nay, it's La comma a, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and second, that's a stupid way to spell anything. <laughs> oh. So, uh, so yeah, Robert is a good name. For <laughs> could it could have been anything. Could it could have been Ladasha. Uh, Liberty. 
Oh, it's always, I always brought my own swearing rule because it just as soon as I saw it, I thought, of course it is. Um, yeah, I, I kept. I kept jokingly before we we settled on Robbie. I kept jokingly said, "Do you know what's a great name? Balthazar." And she was like, "We're not naming our child Balthazar." And I'm like, "Oh, can you? Oh, come on, it inspires respect." And I was coming up with these ridiculous reasons for it. <laughs> uh, backup Solar. What about Solar? <laughs> Good strong name. <laughs> Powerful like me. <laughs> Um, we've got he's also asked best late 90s or early 2000s boy bands either probably Boyzone let's be honest Boyzone no um, we spent so that's from a Cave Ness show we spent like what can only be described as the entire car journey just belting out like cheesy 90 boy band songs like uh, like Westlife Boyzone Backstreet Boys uh, about to take that got involved as well because you can kind of beat about to take that. Um, and it was just cheese. I do like five. I weirdly liked five. Like just for the cheesy of five will make you get down. I don't know why. It just makes me laugh. Uh, my, my wife doesn't like the fact that there's three of them now. So when I when I do that song, I just go uh, three will make you get down, and it's not five. It's not five. She doesn't give me the face. But I feel like if I keep making the joke, because she went to go see nine one one and five when they were like touring together, there yeah. was only three of them. So I kept going, "Oh, you're going to go see nine one four Apparently, that wasn't funny, but I thought it was hilarious. So let's go see nine one four. Yeah, I, I love that. That's my kind of jam for anything. That's why when anyone does things like, "Well, oh, what, what music should we have on my playlist?" I'm sitting there going, "Westlife would be really good." Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not gonna get involved because it'll just be ridicule. I, I like I, I like think you should have some cheesy pop and stuff like go back to S Club Seven, back to S Club Seven for cheesy just happiness. Get a one. Oh, A one classic. Oh, I I did a show uh, for Source where I came out to S Club Seven while wearing uh, Grant McIver's entrance bra. This might be an entrance top, but it came across as looking like a bra, and I didn't tell him I was wearing it. And he found out the same time everyone else did when I unzipped my hoodie and was wearing it. <laughs> it was against Luke Matthews. And it's if, it, if you can find it online, it's uh, Luke Matthews and Solar. And you can genuinely hear people cackling because they were just not expecting me. I'm a bit of a prankster backstage in case you couldn't guess. <laughs> I, I never asked him when, when I spoke to him the first time, but I have seen it. And I think it's, it's, it, was supposed, it was supposed to be Gladiators, but Gladiators inspired. But yeah, it just looks like a bra. A bra. So. The idea, I think, was was better than the actual how it like, came out. It, it didn't like it didn't see it on him. It didn't look awful, but it, it it didn't look like what it was meant to look like. And it's just a case of it does look very, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's also asked, uh, sort of still still Taylor's questions. Uh, who's your favorite person you've helped train, and why is it him? Taylor, we know the answer to that. Don't make me upset you. Um, uh, so I've I like a lot. I've trained a lot of people now, not this, not to kind of bribe. But I've helped a lot of train a lot of the source boys. Um, I helped a lot with Craig Anthony, so he's probably done the wet best out of the ones I've trained. I did help train Taylor a lot as well. Um, recently, there's a there's uh, I'm going to call him the young four that's come through source because like the oldest is eighteen, 
the other three are like 17. And uh, AJ Diaz, Colton Davis, and Jack Ripley. He was Sam, and the other one was Samuel. He might be going under a different name when things come back. They're going to be good. Like, in a few years' time, they're going to be really good. And, like, I'm happy to say I helped train them. Uh, Taylor, I do, I do have a lot of time for Taylor. Like, but I think it's more just because Taylor and I are pretty much the, the same person, just in terms of personalities. We're just a bit childish and just enjoy things that you like are a bit childish. I've also got a lot of time for Zero. Zero, uh, I have a lot of time for Zero. Uh, but like a lot of the source ones, I like, if any of them ever, like, I, I'll, like, I'm happy to say I've helped train a lot of them. Like, a lot of them are, like, a lot of them are really good talents. I'm happy to say I've been involved with a lot of the training of them. So, I don't have a particular favourite, but there are ones that I, I like. But I am, like, source in general is just a pleasure to teach at. And uh, we'll end with Grant McIver's questions, and then we'll, we'll do my, my two stupid questions I ask, and then we'll kind of start rounding up. Uh, well, actually, before I do that, uh, do you know the Muffin Man? She's married to the Muffin Man. The Muffin Man? The Muffin Man! <laughs> a question I would have never asked until you put that in the, on the, on the quote tweet for, for, it, uh, for this interview. I, 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 I go down my, my shit job and I just do that randomly because it makes people laugh and it just makes me laugh. Um, but I love, the, I, I love the stupidness of the gingerbread man from... Like Shrek, like it just makes me. He, he, his voice just makes me laugh, and I just love doing it. Mongo, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, welcome Grant's questions. He's put. Uh, well, who, who's your starter Pokemon? Uh, I always went with Bulbasaur. Uh, it depends on like it depends on the game. Like Bulbasaur was for the original season. Um, Totodile was the next one. And I'm not going to go through all the generations of Pokemon, but on my last replay through of yes, I play Pokemon. Judge me. Um, I uh, my last playthrough of what was I played with the X or Y? I think it was Pokemon Y. I chose the Fire Starter because I I I, I did water before and it was very. Eh. But I tend I tend to favor like. I tend to favour ones that, like, so I kind of Google who the first gym is, like, what type that is, and I try and see if it, what's, uh, how the advantage would work and stuff. I'm quite sad that way. Uh, I, I get, like, Pokemon was my jam growing up as well, like, because po I'm from that generation where Pokemon was everything. Uh, yeah, uh, to be honest, you really had to go one further generation, and then you could have just named any random things I would have been lost. So I, I kind of yeah. stopped at Emerald. That was my last kind of dive into Pokemon. Um, yeah. Uh, to be honest, Pokemon seems to come up far often, more often than you think. That and Power Rangers seems to come up far often than you think in these these uh, podcasts. Uh, I don't know if you're aware that Brandon is um, now Alistair Adams, and I will eventually get that right, but Alistair Adams, uh, he has a, a full uh, Red Ranger outfit. Yeah, he has it from Wild Force, because uh, I remember slagging him going like, oh yeah, I choose one of the worst Power Ranger series, and he's like, 
we told him it's one of the best and like we had a full blown like I think like an hour long conversation about it one day on on why we on why we disagreed. And I think Michael Chase was walked past us and he went, You guys are such geeks. It just walked away. <laughs> I I mean I'm not saying if there there's any reason to get uh, solar back for one one final turn, but the Green Ranger gear against uh Alistair Adams and his Red Ranger gear, come on. That's 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 money on the table. Really. Yeah. I'll, 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 I can say, like, probably, like, you can't see, but the wall across from me, all my masks hang above our my, uh, our bed. And I'm just looking at the Green Ranger one and going, oh, God, it's so beautiful. <laughs> uh, but no, maybe that's, that's, the, that's, that's the hope. Maybe Source opens up, Red Ranger versus Green Ranger. That sets the tone for the whole, whole day. Uh, and he's also asked, on the Itchy and Scratchy CD-ROM, is there a way to get out of the dungeon without using the wizard key? The hell are you talking about? No, <laughs> I'm so... Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, so it's a Simpsons quote. Oh, it's, uh, bloody hell, you did say... You said that before we hit record. Hang on, I'm not going to cut it out, but I'll do it again to make it sound like I meant to do that. On the Itchy and Scratchy CD-ROM, is there any way to get out of the dungeon without using the wizard key? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Seamless. Uh, <laughs> um, I also asked, what kids show have you seen more in the past year than you have in your entire life? Uh, Coco Melon. It's this weird thing. It's just basically nursery rhymes and it's about a family where we baby named JJ, who is the most annoying creature in history. Um, is this, I, this is the thing that you and Matt Tyson got into an argument about on Twitter today, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's not even a, it's not even an argument. Like we're both agreeing on how much we hate it, but like it's what's the worst part? The worst part for me is the baby shark in it. I, like I don't like, and my issue with baby shark is, you, as soon as you hear it, you walk away twenty minutes later and be like, baby shark, did it, son of a. And then Robbie, who loves it, just starts giggling, and you're like, "Honey, finish the goddamn song, don't I?" Uh, so apologise, apologies to everyone that, that didn't want Baby Shark in their head. There it is. Uh, like it's, it's so so annoying. <laughs> uh, so now my 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 questions that we ask everyone. Number one, what's your favourite dinosaur? Oh, that's a good one. See, I can't name dinosaurs with the Power Rangers, so I I enjoy a Triceratops, but I love the idea of just the, of this charging, almost tank-like dinosaur with its uh, its horns just being unstoppable once it starts moving. Uh, what, what's the best uh, Zord? Best Zord? Well, the, the Green Rangers Dragon Zord, obviously. Like, I I have I have a replica Dragon Dagger, and I have an oh, original nice. Dragon Zord. Oh, nice. I used to have the uh, the uh, Falcon Zord. Oh, I love that thing. I love that. They had Saba as well, which ah. Oh. So sad Power Ranger knowledge that you probably didn't want to know. Do you know in the original in the Japanese version of the second season of Power Rangers where Tommy becomes the White Ranger? The Japanese version, Tommy's character is an eight-year-old child. What's so Japan and children? Just yeah, I, like I know, <laughs> but um. There's there's a reason like some scenes where like the white where Tommy is the white ranger's met me like this pure goofy thing jumping up and down it's because he was meant to be a child and Saba was like created from his imagination or something like that. 
Oh man, I, I, yeah, that's just. I I also I like uh, for randoms. It's not the best sword, but it's a sword I really really used to love. I loved the Mega Winger from In Space, like just randomly. It's not a particularly impressive looking sword, but I think it was like one of the first ones I ever had the toy of. So I remember just like really loving it as a kid. Uh, well, the ones I remember having, I remember having. Uh, it was it was after, it was ninjas. It was ninja sword. Uh, the ninja mega sword, uh, and I also had a ninjor. Oh, ninjor! I loved ninjor. Uh, I had the ninjor as well. Actually, I had the the Power Rangers movie version of ninjor. So like, yeah, obviously when they did the Power Rangers movie, they re-released a bunch of the swords, and randomly ninjor was one of them, and he came with a golden sword instead of like the plastic one he would have. Yeah, that's what I had as well. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. You, and you like flicked the, the middle, well, you pulled it at the back and then the head yeah. flipped around. Yeah. Yeah, I had that. And, uh, ninja yeah. Warrior mode. <laughs> but no, I had Ninja Megazord. It was pretty much when I started getting Power Rangers toys properly, it was after the movie. So it was yeah. uh, the white, uh, the black, and Adam uh, with the, the flip head. Yeah. And uh, I had the white Power Ranger with the flip head as well. So, oh, man. Every time I go to a charity shop, I see them and uh, or see um, them, and I'm just like, I really want them, but I've no, I, I've nowhere I should put them or can't yeah. put them, but I want them. <laughs> Same yeah, thing. I, I, I have a desk that's like there's a corner of our living room that's my desk, and it's like just geeky and stuff, and it's my dragon sword sits proudly there. And Tony's like, Are you ever worried Robbie's going to grab that? And I went, I am not worried because the moment my son plays with a dragon sword my life is complete <laughs> but uh, if, if i ever go to a boot, a boot sale and i see a saba sword I'm, I'm taking that home there's just there's no absolutely. i don't care the condition absolutely is absolutely uh the other question we ask is uh what would win in a fight two sheep or one cow hmm. interesting oh i think maybe i, I don't know I think maybe a sheep, because I like to think the idea of a sheep being smart enough to realise there's two of them. And from what my experience is of cows, they're pretty stupid animals. So, like, I imagine the sheep would be smart enough to kind of just tip it over and pummel the cow to death. That's, that's, I like uh, anything that comes with thought, I, I enjoy. Uh, but yeah, so I think we are pretty even now. With, with, uh, people are still determined cows would win, but uh, I'm, I'm on the sheep train. I don't know if that's because I'm from the northeast or, or what. <laughs> but uh, yeah, still all in for sheep. Um, so yeah, I think I've, I kept, geez, we're over, over to about two and a half hours now. Um, before we go, though, I would do the social media bit. If you could give yourself one piece of advice to your younger self before, before you started trading, what would it be? Um, before I started trading? Uh, do, do your research um, take the time to research schools uh, how close they are um, the people in charge of them uh, visit visit them as well take a chance to come and visit and go listen to my way set up my session to see if this place would be for me or not um, coming in with some level of fitness would be a good idea but isn't net isn't as in gospel, I wouldn't say you have to come in like from like a sports background to be a wrestler, although it does help. Um, be humble and respectful to anywhere you go. Uh, 
always always take the time to sit and talk to the person in charge. Uh, be realistic. Uh, don't come in and go, I'm going to debut in eight months because no, you won't. No one does. Uh, yeah, just take the time. T- take the time, research it, make sure you're comfortable with it if, if, and just be respectful is the best way to put it because if you don't, you become the moment. Moment you stop treat, stop being respectful to wrestling, wrestling will quite happily throw you out. Seems like a good way to end that. Uh, so, where can people find you on social media? So, my Twitter is Wishart Solar, and I can't remember the end of it. Whoa. I can still hear you. If that's there we go. Uh, no, yeah. my, my phone came up and said low, low power mode. That's fine. Um, Perfect timing then. Uh, my my social I'm on Instagram as Callum Wisher 2018 I believe because that's when I made it um, Facebook uh, Robbie Robbie Wisher a professional wrestler and yeah so you can also follow me you can also follow me at Source Wrestling from which I run the Source Wrestling social media uh, Source Wrestling on Instagram and Source Wrestling on uh Facebook as well. Perfect. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me, Billy. Mate. It was a good, good laugh. Uh, sorry, I've took so much of your time. <laughs> Absolutely fine. I, I've, I'll go for a nap now and watch Nell's cell. So it's all, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs>